comics, TV, movies, video games, and more. The Comic and Culture Cast. Holy exponentially growing power levels, Batman. It's time for the Comic and Culture Cast. This is Les, your marvelous Marvel guy. And I may not be from the capital, but I'm your DC guy, Joshua. And I'm your lore master, Brad. Alright, so, this episode is part one of our Dragon Ball Z Kakarot review. We'll be discussing everything up to the Cell Saga. Part two will come at a later date, and it'll go over the Boo Saga and all the DLC. Um, we're also going to be talking about the newly revealed Assassin's Creed Valhalla trailer. And all the information that has to deal with that. But, before we get to any of that, Newsflash is making its spectacular return. Woo! I guess I'll pull up the timer. All right. And then I guess I'll explain what news flash works. Uh, so basically we're going to have 15 minutes to get through all the news that has happened uh, since last episode. Any news we don't get to um, will be on our Facebook page and more on that uh, at the end of the episode. Alrighty. Y'all ready? Let's do it. How about we have Bradley kick it off with first news? Cool. In three, two, one, go. So my first bit of news is about the uh, recently released game Predator Hunting Grounds. Um, I know there's not a lot of games being released right now. Some things are being delayed, but um, its reviews are out. It has quite a few mixed reviews with about a 53% of Google users liking it, a 54 and a 6.7 on Metacritic. Um, and all of those reviews on Metacritic are about, they're, 82% of them are all mixed. There's about 2% positive and quite a few bit negative, but everybody's kind of middle of the ground on the game right now. I played the demo for it. And I hated it. Yeah, I, I thought I, it was I, so bad. I gave it a little bit of a trial run period, and and I didn't enjoy it either. Yeah. Um. And uh, so, yeah, that was about that was about that. Is this based on predators like the predator versus alien predator hunting yeah, species? Like the yeah, like the predator from like the movies, the sci-fi. Yeah. Huh. I enjoy that franchise, but I did not even know this game was a thing. That's disappointing to hear it's, it was uh, a letdown. It's almost like um. Did you ever play? Is it called Extinction? I've heard of it, and I've seen oh, the gameplay. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking the, about. The Monster Hunter mm-hmm. game where there's like a monster, and then there's a group of like four hunters that, and you guys kind of compete. It's similar to that where there's a predator hunting four, like mm-hmm. fighters, and you mm-hmm. guys kind of team together against the one predator to fight against him. That sounds like but, a cool concept. Yeah, it's definitely a cool concept. I was intrigued when I first saw the trailer, but. After giving it like a trial run of the game, I was like, mm, this probably isn't for me. To be mm. fair, I actually didn't even play as the Predator. I just played as the Soldier, but I just found the shooting mechanics to be like, just so bad. I just, I, I couldn't get into it. Now that I'm thinking yeah. about that, do you know what this sounds like? What? A themed version of Dead by Daylight. Yeah, I'm, well, it's from yeah. the people that did the uh, Friday the 13th game, ah, yeah, which is like very similar to Dead by Daylight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on so we don't waste time. I guess I'll jump in All with right. the next piece of news. I'll throw two out real quick. 
Um, first one's kind of obvious because we just talked about it. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot's first DLC is out, so get ready to play through Battle of Gods. Um, second thing, cool. also Dragon Ball related, I'm switching over to the mobile gaming side. Dragon Ball Z Dokkan Battle, the mobile game that I play quite a bit and talk about sometimes, has had some pretty big updates over the past couple months, or past few months rather. Uh, the Japanese version of the game, which if you remember is a few months ahead of the global version. The Japanese version just had its fifth year anniversary in late January, early February, which focused on the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie and the Dragon Ball Super um, future arc with Goku Black and such. The main characters were Blue Gogeta and Blue Vegito, with uh, another banner having um, Goku Black, Rose, Super Saiyan Rose, and um, Broly, Chilai, and Lemo as cards, which is cool. Then there was the Saiyan Day celebration, which of course was on Saiyan Day in March, which focused all on Bardock. And it's currently in its Golden Week celebration, which is focused on Gotenks versus Super Boo. And you can expect the, or the CA, the Saiyan Day celebration was on Global and um, the Japanese version at the same time, so that's already happened. But the Global version of the game can expect the fifth year anniversary in July and can expect the Golden Week celebration in November. All three events introduce not only new characters, but also new game modes. So if you want to explore something new, there were new game modes added in all of these. And again, they'll be coming in July and in November to the Global version of the game. Lesh, what do you got? Cool. All right, so I'm going to do my first two pieces of news since they're related. Uh, Last of Us Part 2 has a new release date, uh, June 19th, uh, 2020, coming up. Uh, major story details for this game have surfaced online. Please, please, please don't spoil this game for people. Please don't. Uh, it sucks that we have to wait like a month and a half for this game, but we can easily avoid the spoilers if we're considerate to one another and just like be cautious when roaming the internet, okay? So just be careful. Uh, it is going to take up about 100 gigabytes of storage on your PlayStation, uh, so be mindful of that, and it's going to ship with two discs. Um, this is something we've been seeing um, pretty, I don't want to say normally, but like Red Dead ship with two discs, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which just came out a few weeks ago, ship with two discs, so it seems like that's starting to become a norm now, unfortunately. Um, and because Last of Us was posted June 19th, Ghost of Tsushima was delayed slightly, it was going to come out in June, but obviously PlayStation doesn't want two games competing with each other. Um, so that has been delayed to July 17th. Uh, so both this summer should be exciting for PlayStation users. Quick side note on that. Do you guys think that um, the new consoles, optical drives, will be able to read dual-sided discs? Because Blu-ray discs are limited at 50 gigabytes, but dual-sided Blu-rays are limited at 100 gigabytes. I hope so. That'd be a cool addition to add. Yeah. Um, it definitely would. I'm hoping that with the system that they add, um, that things it, it has a lot more power to it and a lot more like readability and downloadable like downloadable mm-hmm. um, information. One of the things that I think I I know some companies have done and some companies don't like doing is releasing like collector's editions of games that just have the downloadable version of it, right? Yes. Like instead of the full disc system, because I mean honestly, like right, like with how how powerful some of the the like. Um, storage units and hard drives are getting when it comes to systems right like sometimes it's like do i really need the actual physical disc if i have like a two terabyte like hard drive on my system so i wish they would do that more i know i know bungie did that with destiny 2 they had a specific version that was just a downloadable content version collector's edition where you still got all the collector stuff but instead of getting the disc you got an actual code i know some companies have released um, versions of that but then there's quite a few companies that seem to just refuse to want to do that i agree a hundred percent 
especially being a PC only guy um, with no other consoles. I don't have an optical drive, so I I can't buy collector's editions. And most of the time, they don't even come out for PC. I was just going to say, I'm excited because I know one new feature that they're adding to the new consoles is that um, like if you want to delete portions of the game, you can do that. Because like, just recently, I had to get rid of Modern Warfare because it was taking up 200 gigabytes. Like, why? That's like, crazy. No, like, no game, like, no game on my PlayStation is even close to that. But, like... I would totally just like dump, like take out Warzone because I don't play. I play Apex Legends. I don't play Warzone, um, but it's like I can't do that, and it's like it sucks because it's probably taking up a bunch of storage that you know I'm never gonna use. But it is what it is. Hopefully that gets fixed. Yeah, hopefully. I agree for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, a similar thing that happened with me was I had to, um, even just to update parts of Call of Duty on my PlayStation, I've had to, mm-hmm. um, delete Apex. And yeah. because it's the smallest thing I have downloaded, update Call of Duty and then re-download Apex, which is so weird to me because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you need you need five gigabytes of free space for the update, and I'm like, okay, fine, let me let me delete Apex real quick, yeah. and I delete Apex. It downloads the new update, and then I can re-download a 46 gig- gigabyte game with no problem. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand how this system works, but yeah, it's ridiculous. I'll do it as long as I have to. <laughs> well, one hopeful thing is, I know the Xbox Series X is supposed to have hot swappable drives, where you can mm-hmm. just pull out your drive and put a new one in, um, without even having to yeah. take the system apart, which, uh, kind of like the days of memory cards, so that could mm-hmm. be a uh, real positive, because PCs have that too, if you build it for that, which, you know, it'll be nice to see consoles start to go to that, because then that'll make PC cases start to have that as a more common feature. But, it, um... Mm-hmm. We have seven minutes left, so let's hop back into this. Uh, Bradley, what's your next piece of news? Um, So I'm going to do two pieces of news because all of my news is kind of short, and these two are kind of related. Pokemon Sword and Shield's expansion, The Isle of Armor, will release on June 6th, 2020. Obviously, that's just next month now. Um, And then Pokemon Go has updated their game to allow for more at-home play. There's now remote raiding. Currently, um, you can buy new raid passes and get new raid passes that are meant for you to be able to raid um, at gyms that are within your like area that you can see have a raid the encounter ring has been expanded so pokemon will pop up outside of the ring that they normally do um if you're stuck in your house and then gyms and stops also allow for you to be farther away from them to use them to spin them battle in them put pokemon in them stuff like that very cool nice all right uh speaking of double news i guess i'll go ahead and do the same thing because my last two pieces of news are both wonder woman related So, Wonder Woman 1984, although it was delayed, it still received its rating as if it were coming out in June, and it received a PG-13 rating for, quote, sequences of action and violence, end quote. So, kind of what we expected, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. nothing out of the Mm -hmm. ordinary there. And then this is very interesting, an article I found. Um, apparently... Wonder Woman, the, the like sub-film franchise, so the film franchise of DC Films, the sub-film franchise of Wonder Woman, is planned to be four films. Uh, Patty Jenkins was talking in an interview, and if you don't remember, she is the director of Wonder Woman and is the director of Wonder Woman 1984. And she said that the plan is um, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, an Amazon's film, and then a third Wonder Woman film. And Patty Jenkins says that she plans for an arc across the four films, but she's waiting until Wonder Woman 1984 comes out to really nail down those plans, set them in stone, and talk more about them. But she also stated that she doesn't want to um, direct the Amazons film. She'd like someone else to take that, but she'll see how things go. But um, that her and Jeff Johns came up with the story, and she wants to produce the Amazons film. 
And it's interesting because there's thousands of years of time that, you know, you could pull from for an Amazon's film. So really interesting to see what they do with that. But uh, I guess the plan is that that will lead to some stuff maybe that happens in the third Wonder Woman film or play off of stuff that happens in Wonder Woman 1984. I'm sure if the Amazon film does well, it'll it'll probably just lead into its own series anyway. You know, That'd be interesting. We could say the same thing about how it'd be interesting with a trench film for the right, Aquaman the film trench, franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's kick it over Lush. Cool. So uh, I guess I'll just finish things off. Uh, The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have announced new rules regarding the Academy Awards. Uh, The Academy's current rule requires a film to be shown in a commercial movie theater in order to be qualified for an Oscar nomination. Uh, This is why previous Netflix films such as The Irishman and Marriage Story had brief theatrical runs. Uh, This rule is being waived in light of current events uh, because, you know, theaters are closed. Uh, once theaters reopen and on a date determined by the Academy, this rule exemption will no longer apply. Uh, the 93rd Academy Awards will take place on February 28, 2021. Um, and this rule is also going to apply to the Golden Globes, which will take place in January. Um, sticking with movies, um, AMC Theaters and Regal Entertainment will no longer show films from Universal Pictures when their cinemas reopen due to the studio's decision to release their movies early instead of waiting to show them in theaters. That one was pretty interesting to me, I have to admit. Um, Universal has very big movies, so we'll have to see if uh, the theaters end up uh, sticking their ground, because, uh, you know, they have uh, Universal has Fast and Furious and Jurassic World. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the how... The new Minions movie. New min- yeah, Minions. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that. Um, and then my last piece of news, uh, Microsoft has announced uh, that we were going to get our first official look at next-gen uh, gameplay during Inside Xbox, which is scheduled for Thursday, May 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, this is only going to cover third-party games and not Xbox-exclusive titles such as Halo Infinite. Um, we are going to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla in a second. Uh, we don't have gameplay yet. The first Valhalla gameplay will be feature at the Inside Xbox uh, event next week. So that's one game we're going to be getting. I got to say real quick, I think that's kind of immature of the theaters. That reminds me of like some, let's say there's a kid named Johnny and Johnny um, gets mad at Joey because Joey went on a play date with somebody else when Johnny was sick. So I actually have a, a theory behind this. I'm wondering if something actually happened that we don't know of behind the scenes. Because and it's Disney- just an excuse. Well, no, well, maybe because Disney did the exact, they're releasing Artemis Fowl um, on Disney Plus and it was going to release in theaters, but they decided not to. So I'm wondering if there's like some behind the scenes issues that we just don't know about. Uh, um, yeah, that makes sense. But again, I don't, that's all we really know about that. But I, from our perspective, I do think it's immature um, from my perspective as well. But I agree. So, yeah. So I have two short pieces left um, and then I do want to put some puts it gives some input into that topic right. um so my last two things really quick are elder scrolls online chapter graymore will release on mac and pc on may 26th and ps4 and xbox one on june 9th um every year the elder scrolls online releases a big chapter that kind of takes over the story for the next year and some small like expansions in between mm-hmm. um cool. free guy the new ryan reynolds movie is still set to re- be released on uh july um third 2020 but there is a discussion currently there have been rumors that they may possibly delay it because of everything going on um nothing has been announced and if it does we'll make sure to put it into the news flash 
um, for whatever episode it does get it does get announced at. Makes sense. We have one minute left, but I'll go ahead and stop the timer. And Bradley, what did you have to say about the feeders? So there's been a discussion um, recently that's been going on about um, the current situation and how it's kind of allowing for certain things to happen. Uh, whereas, like, there's been a huge topic about how necessary is cinema nowadays with streaming. Um, because a lot of companies have debated on just releasing their films to their streaming networks or releasing it to a partnered streaming network. And I wonder if Universal came to the decision to just start doing that, you know, and because because there was that big topic. There was that big thing when Iron Man 3 came out with Disney that they said they wanted 85 percent of the ticket proceeds to come back to them. Right. And and I think it was Regal or it was some some cinema company, uh, movie company decided that they wouldn't show Iron Man 3. Right. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> um, But, yeah, they decided they weren't going to show Iron Man 3 because of disney's request so i wonder if these if even even if disney's considering part of it right because now they have disney plus and there's been a lot going on with that um and it like i wonder if they're just going to decide that they would rather release it on their cinema like their streaming networks even though i love going to the movies i would love there's certain movies i would like i would not have watched endgame if it was just like hey we're gonna put it on disney plus i'd have been like all right (laughs) like because that's a that's a movie theater experience you have to be at the movies for that Mm movie for that movie and there's a lot of movies like that right like i feel like transformers is like that 1917 is like that and it, it like the fact that this is a debate currently is kind of concerning for me you know and like um, because I like I am a huge like cinema fan. I am a huge movie fan, and and the fact that there's been discussion about this, where, and then you have these things coming up about Universal Pictures like not being shown in AMC theaters and Regal Entertainment, and it makes you wonder like, did Universal decide maybe they're not gonna release films in theaters anymore? I think a lot of it um, has to do also with like the movies themselves, because like Universal released Trolls, right, an animated movie, and it's like. Like I, I like if if I have the choice to watch an animated movie like at the theaters or at home, like I don't mind watching an animated movie at home. But it's like like a big Marvel film, you know, or like like a Fast and Furious movie. I probably wouldn't watch that. I would pre- prefer to see it in theaters, you know, um, like any big blockbuster type film. But yeah, um, with that, it's it's interesting because I remember a long time ago. Like three, four, five years ago, there was a rumor that Warner Brothers, along with a few other um, film French, uh film companies, were planning on doing something in addition to theaters, where you would be able to watch the film at the same time it came out in theaters at home, but it'd be like a twenty-four hour rental for fifty dollars. Which, if you think about it, is actually a pretty good price because if you're thinking a family of four, about fifteen dollars a ticket, fifty dollars to watch the movie at home isn't bad. But it's interesting to see, like, is that... I would prefer that they do the both method, in theaters and at home. I don't like the idea of just at home. I think something to keep in mind, too, is that we're not uh, family men, right? So, like, we don't really... It's really just us that we have to look out for when going to the theaters, right? Like, I'm sure that, like, a family of four would be super expensive, like, going to watch, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when popcorn cost thirty dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> um absolutely but yeah no i mean like like the thing with trolls right trolls released for twenty dollars mm-hmm. you had to pay twenty dollars to watch that film and they made what a hundred million dollars yeah i think so. doing that it was like, a success and yeah. i think i think that's probably what universal is considering right now i think that's one of the things that's coming into play for them and besides just universal pictures films right like we talked about they have transformers they have um fast and the furious they have 
a lot of animated films that people love with minions and stuff like that. Like think of all their think of all their subcontractors, all their side their side studios that technically are owned by them. Is AMC gonna and Regal gonna stop showing those films as well? Because they'll start to lose a crazy amount of money if they're only relying on certain film companies because of their involvement with Universal. They're really like, Universal is really just cutting out the middleman essentially, right? Yeah, if by that's what they doing do. this, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I I guess to see how this. Uh, plays out um if the theaters are gonna like you know stick to that decision like you know we're not showing these but and and it's it's crazy to think that if universal were to create like a like a streaming network Mm -hmm. themselves and release their films early and then allow amc theaters and regal entertainment to release them it's kind of crazy to think about amc and regal just being like you know what you want to release them early we're not going to release them at all right like yeah it's like it's like hey even if they release them early, you're still going to get people coming to your theater to watch them and pay for them. Mm-hmm. And now you're just saying, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't sound like you're going to lose business to other movie theaters that are like, you know what? That's fine with us. And I feel like that's probably not the best play right now when AMC released information that they might not survive the rest of this closing. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of crazy to me to that they... That that's like it's. I know it's a weird phrase, but it's kind of crazy to me that that's the hill they chose to die on. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, the way to think about it is this is a perfect example of what free will is. You can do what you want, but the decision you make is going to have consequences. Are those consequences negative or positive? And then you decide. Yeah. And maybe they're not thinking all the way through as to whether those consequences are positive or negative, or maybe they have, and we just don't know the full story. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Let's move on. I think we've spent enough time on yeah. this conversation. Unless one of you has something else to say, um, let's no, no, kick no, off good. with Valhalla. Sure, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it was announced. We're going to have a uh, discussion on it. Um, it was actually announced in kind of an interesting way. Um, so, basically, what happened was Boss Logic was streaming. He was doing, like, some Photoshop stuff to reveal the location. It was exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's Vikings. Um, it'll be kind of in Northern Europe. Um how did, what did you guys think of the reveal and the trailer? So, um, I thought the reveal was such a cool idea with Boss Logic. I yeah. love his artwork, and it was really cool to see the behind the scenes. Um, do you mind if I tell the quick story that I told you guys about? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. So, for it. um, it came out Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. Yes. And on Wednesday, I had I don't have any classes on Wednesday that I'm teaching because of this online at home thing. I only do classes Tuesday and Thursday. But being a band teacher, I do music private lessons throughout the week. So I had several private lessons on Wednesday and and a faculty meeting. And, of course, he started doing the, the main character, the, the protagonist, while I was in the faculty meeting and couldn't watch. Mm-hmm. But I had it playing <laughs> on my TV muted all day um, since it was like eight hours long. I think it was eight hours, ten minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, so I had my green screen behind me while I was doing lessons. And I would peek every so often to see what was going on on the screen while he was doing the artwork. And then I shared it to um, one of my classes, web design, because web design is focused on, one, learning HTML, and two, um, learning Photoshop. And since he was working in Photoshop, I thought it'd be a cool thing for the students to see. And then on Thursday, I um, assigned them a project where they had to, or not, uh, just a, not a project, an assignment, where they had to pick a five-minute segment from that eight-hour video and to look at what Boss Logic was doing, talk about what Photoshop tools he was using, how he used those tools, and what was accomplished by using them. So I thought that'd be something fun for the kids, especially since they're high schoolers and some of them are into video games. 
kind of a cool thing to see. Hey, you guys have been learning how to use Photoshop for a year. Here's a professional that uses Photoshop, and let's explore what he's doing. And I got to say, that man moves fast in Photoshop. Oh, yeah. I was like, how did he not, like, use the bathroom or anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, eight hours? That's forever, dude. It's crazy. For those of you who are familiar with Photoshop, you know, usually when you're working with multiple layers and images, you use layer masks because you don't want to screw up and you want to be able to fix it by using a layer mask. He was just using the eraser tool, which is a pain to fix, even with, you know, the brush history tool and being able to go back into the history palette. It's a pain to use the eraser if you screw up. And he was going so fast, he was he didn't use any layer mask. It was all eraser. And I thought that was pretty crazy. But I'm yeah. getting into technical speak about Photoshop because I teach it. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it It really was kind of, like, insane to watch um, how quickly he would work and how, like, like, yeah, I mean, I've used Photoshop for quite a few things um, just for fun. And, yeah, no, there's, like, just the fact that la layering it and all of the stuff to make it easier to where if you do make a mistake, it's kind of like, oh, let me get rid of this real quick. And it won't, it, it'll be like it's not even there. And he's just taking the eraser and he's just going around and you're like how are you doing this so yeah. perfectly? Like, but then like, it's crazy to watch. Cause like you said, honestly, it's almost like watching some of those YouTube videos of Photoshop that are sped up, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody spends like, yeah, somebody spends eight hours doing yeah. this one little small image and like they speed it up into 30 minutes or in, to be like a, to be like a five minute video. But then you're watching him do it for eight hours. And he did all of that in eight hours. I couldn't imagine like what he could do like like with like a year's worth of time just working on one thing oh yeah it would be insane like he was so quick at it and it was really impressive it was it was awesome just to watch like an artist in that sense work yeah but enough about the art let's talk yeah. about the concept <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you guys like the trailer oh yeah uh, i loved it i loved it i thought it was i thought it was pretty sick um so I have an article pulled up here. Um, it's actually from IGN. I'll make sure that it's in the show notes um, at the end of the episode. I'm just going to – we have a bunch of um, – we just got a cinematic trailer for it. But there is kind of a bunch of info about the game um, that we can talk about. So uh, first things first, uh, it is coming this year on uh, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and Google Stadia. Um, so there's that. Um, it's, yeah, so it's going to be uh, set in 9th century Europe. Players are going to take on the role of Eivor, who is a Viking raider uh, who leads uh, their people out of Norway and into the kingdoms of England. Um, now, you can play as either a uh, male or female Eivor, uh, which, kind of, which is kind of interesting, actually, because they, they, they said that uh, um, somehow they're both canon, which I don't know how that is going to work. I'm guessing it's... Uh, Probably something animus related, mm. um, or well, I don't, I don't know if it's co-op because I'm, I think it's like Evor is like male or female, depending. It doesn't matter what you pick. It's oh, both, both it's canon. So I, I'm, I'm thinking it has something to do with like some animus um, trickery there. Um, let me see what else. Uh, so we got some uh, gameplay kind of info. Um, it's, it, there's going to be kind of like a settlement feature um, where basically um, this is a quote from. Uh, Ashraf Ismail, he's one of the uh, game directors, um, he says, The settlement is a key feature of the game. It's quite grand in what we're trying to achieve with it. We want you to feel that this is your home, that you're building, uh, that a lot of what you're doing in the game world is, at the end of the day, going to feed into the settlement so that it can grow, it can flourish. We have a ton of buildings that people uh, can build. Uh, each building comes with its own gameplay purpose. 
So that's kind of interesting, kind of like you're, you're building like a, basically a base, kind of, which is kind of sick. Um, let's see what else he has. And then he continues, there's a lot of effort that's gone into making sure that the players can feel like this home that they're developing is really meaningful to them. Uh, it's meaningful to the journey that they're on. The people that they invite to their settlement have meaning to them. Lots of events and things happen based on how you decide uh, to kind of grow this place. It's really the core experience of the game. That's and cool course, because... Yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, that's cool because if you remember, the one thing I texted to the group chat like at the beginning of it was um, maybe the area to the right side of the art is a city slash kingdom that the Vikings pillaged slash raided. Maybe there will be a new feature of the game, like Conquest Battles and Odyssey. Imagine a new game feature where you go pillage existing cities and kingdoms and establish new settlements. It'd be like first-person civilization. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That was one of my predictions, and it seems like it's half right, so I'm, I'm happy yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, the, the cool thing about that that I got from like seeing the stuff about the settlement is it's a lot like they took... Um, I, don't, I don't know if anybody really remembers this, but the homestead in Assassin's Creed 3 yeah um it expanded as you played the game it expanded as you got more of the people who were struggling to kind of be on your side in the the like the fight there were things that got bigger there was like uh parts of the homestead's farm expanded when you met other people and you were able to use the things that you got from the homestead for different like um upgrades and different like things that you would explore and go through and so it kind of seems like they took that idea that was in that game and just kind of ran with it in a like, much larger scale version where they were like, all right, besides just the physical homestead, let's make this entire small little like like nomad town that the Vikings would normally have and just expand it even more and, and allow you to change it. And as you go to other places and see other designs, maybe you take the designs from those places and some of your buildings start to look like that architecture. And like it was really cool to hear um, to see, because I saw a similar article where they were talking about it, and he said he said that basically it would alter and change as you like conquested and as you invaded, and I thought that was really interesting. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So just to save time, because I know we're going to be discussing a lot of Dragon Ball, and that we have a game such activity planned. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and um, the article is in the um, description if you want to take a look. Uh, I'm just going to hit the. Uh, you can pre-order Valhalla now just for the current generation. Um, consoles, um, the next gen consoles, we probably won't hear about until later. Um, right now, the um, you can get the regular edition, gold edition, or the ultimate edition. I think there's also a collector's edition you can get, but I think that's just on Ubisoft's um, website. So make sure you check that out over there. Um, all this info is going to be in the article, so make sure you go check that out. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about, Valhalla? Well, since it's for next gen consoles as well. I wonder what's the difference going to be like. Is this going to be one of those games where they compare last gen to next gen and mm-hmm. um, they do like side by sides? And then it makes me wonder, too, am I going to need to get a new GPU in order to run things smoothly? I have a 1066 mm-hmm. gigabyte. Am I going to need to upgrade to a 2060 or 2070 even to get the full potential out of this game? Is this going to be the um, straw that breaks the camel's back for me that's going to make me finally <laughs> want to upgrade my computer? Because it has been... <laughs> Wow, almost three years now since I bought, since I built it. Um, so yeah. I wonder if this is going to be me, my first big upgrade because of this game, because I'm definitely going to play this game. And if I get a low tier experience with it, I'm definitely going to want to upgrade to be able to get a better experience with it. I was going to say another actually interesting thing that I just remembered is that um, this is really the first next gen game 
that we saw uh, kind of choose a side between the two consoles. Like, they're aligned with Xbox. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting kind of to see um, how all that plays out. Usually, I think I think Assassin's Creed usually kind of alternates between Xbox and PlayStation. I can't really remember, but... Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so, someone took a side, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So one of the big things is, so commenting on that, they, they, they definitely used to kind of almost do what a lot of games do, and they would exclusive something based on the console they are, but it would they would exclusive one thing for Xbox and one thing for PlayStation, right? Like, like there would be something that you could only get on PlayStation if you played it, um, and it was cool, but then you could get basically the same thing on Xbox, but it was the Xbox versions of it. Right, so like when I remember the one initial thing I remember was in um, it was either Revelations or Brotherhood, and it was because of the multiplayer because they had the multiplayer aspect. There was like there was a character skin you could only get on PlayStation, and then there was a different character's skin that you could only get on Xbox when you played in multiplayer. And so they've always kind of been more of like a middle ground, but also let's let this part, this side have this and this side have that. That's the correct um, way to do console exclusives. That is. That is the mm-hmm. correct way. But they, they should also, similar to like, um, like it sounds funny, but similar to like Pokemon Sword and Shield, allow people who might have a friend on the other system Trade. to be like, hey man, what if I give you this and you give me the Xbox thing and then we can have both on our console like it, it like it kind of expands the thing of like community and friendship because then it's not um it's not really about the console it's more about the community around the game itself um and then so my one last thing about valhalla is um i love the viking era right it's one of my favorite like history moments in time um a lot of a lot because of the things i like right like when you think of elder scrolls which is one of my favorite things um it's a lot of like it takes a lot of aspects from that because the the Norse like and Viking kind of like people have always been very centered around like not only like gods but also just mystical like power and and natural power and nature and things like that and so I've always really liked that and so I'm really excited to see it come to Vikings at this point and then also I love one of the things I was very hopeful for when they initially retreated in time you know because originally they started off with the Crusades. And then they started moving forward. And it's like, well, you're going to get to a point where you can't do anything else in history, right? Mm-hmm. And people were upset when they went, when they were like, we're going back to Egypt. People were like, are you serious? Like, but then now you look at it, you you see that they went to Egypt and they went to the Peloponnesian War of Greece. And now they're doing the Vikings, which, like you said, the, the, um, the, the the ninth century, like, that's before Altair's time period, mm-hmm. right? Like, he was in, like, the, like, what was it? 10, like, 1000 AD? Like yeah, he was something in like, like that. Like the 1080. So like if they would have never retreated, the Assassin's Creed story probably would have died out mm-hmm. at, like much sooner than it has. And I think that was a very good decision. And I love that they're still expanding on it and made that decision to kind of go, you know what, let's take some steps back. I, I totally agree because like, and I love most, most of the games. Um, I really liked Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That was in the Industrial Re- Revolution. I think that is the farthest that you pro- that you could have gone with that. Like I don't see like any way you could have well, I mean you probably could have done it. But I think at that point it starts to get too close to kind of modern-ish times. And I, I like that Assassin's Creed kind of goes back into history. So I'm glad that they were able to kind of take it back and kind of mess with stuff over there. So I agree yeah. and disagree because I agree with oh, everything you said except I want the very last Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed game that comes out to be set in modern day. 
See, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I think it'd be a, I think it'd be interesting, and I think it'd be a cool way to end the series. Well, I, I should say I I would like it if the modern day story was actually like good. But yeah, like, I don't want it I to have... be like Animus. I want it to be like an Assassin's Brotherhood in modern day with modern weapons and modern technology. Yeah, I mean, I I could think that I, like I could kind of understand that. Um, and I, I like the idea of it, but then I kind of think about like Ubisoft has like Splinter Cell and, and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, ah, uh, like it becomes a very weird middle ground mm-hmm. situation about like how, how different could they really make it from like the games that are already out there that are like that, that are about like, like Hitmen or mm-hmm. Assassins or like. So, but I, I would definitely be interested if they ever actually announced one to see how they go about it, for sure. Yeah, I just think it would have to be their last game. They couldn't do anything else after it, and there should only ever be one modern-day version. It is worth noting, um, I, we didn't really talk about this in the thing, but supposedly Valhalla is wrapping up um, kind of the series up to this point. So there's still going to be more Assassin's Creed games, it just seems like it's wrapping up a storyline and we'll okay. connect somehow. Cool. All right, so. What that means, who knows? One more thing I want to touch on is what um, Bradley said about the idea of trading. I love that idea, to be able to trade between console exclusives. There's only one thing. You know what that would require? Crossplay. Yeah. Well, no, not even. It's, it's, it's starting to get better. Yeah, that just still ticks me off. that there, It took this long for it to get started, and it's not even where it should be. Yeah, they. I mean, it, it would just start kind somewhere. Of, it would come into aspect of just like cross platform or cro- even cross save, right? Mm-hmm. You're able to send things through system based on like the save system rather than like you would never have to see the person. It would just be almost like a like in Borderlands, right? You can send somebody a gun you get in your Borderlands game through the mail system, like and that like obviously you can play with people in Borderlands, but like. It's just something like that, right? Like if there was a mail system or if there was a social system that was linked to just being able to communicate with each other. Fortnite has something like that where you send it to their, well, you send it to their Epic account, but it's like, it doesn't matter where you, where you play it. You can gift um, someone, like I could gift my cousin something on my PS4 to his Switch or something. And they could center that around, I mean, you play, like Ubisoft has you play, so... Yeah, but that's fixing specific things. I'm talking big picture here. Why is it that <laughs> when there was first online multiplayer, there was not cross-play between platforms, and we still have issues where there's so many games that still don't have cross-platform multiplayer? It, it's got to. It's improving. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah but why? They is make, it, they make, so they're making good. Was that? Why is it taking so late to start? Because of, I, I would say because of the competitiveness Green. of the market. You know, yeah. like it's always been like and up until a couple years ago, it was always Sony and Microsoft did not want to work together. Sony and Microsoft did not want to work together. And then Microsoft was like, you know what? Why not? Right. And then Sony held out for quite a while. Right. Even after doing the Fortnite thing, they were like, you know what? We still aren't sure if we want to keep partnering. And then finally they were like, OK, fine, let's do this. And I think that's why. I mean, it was the competitors of the market. They were afraid of losing profit they were afraid of losing like certain things and and because because you know it almost comes down to the the thought process that like if if we say yes to this do we have to say yes to everything you know and and i feel like some of them were would be worried about that right like at playstation and xbox both have exclusive games right what happens if they get to the point where it's like sony goes hey microsoft how about you let us 
in on this game and we cross-platform it, right? And then Microsoft has to be like, well, some people just buy our console for this game, these games, right? Like, so it's really like a weird topic. It's very opinionated. We don't really know because we don't work for the companies, but it could definitely just be because it was a competitive market for so long. I think Microsoft specifically is starting to get a lot better with that, specifically with Nintendo, um, like how Cuphead is now on the Switch um, and kind of there. I think they're more willing to work together. I think Sony's the one that is kind of needs a little bit of persuasion. <laughs> I, I agree. And it, I think it like, like when it comes to like certain things like exclusives, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love some of the Microsoft and Xbox exclusives, but I think, I mean, PlayStation normally hits it yeah. out of the park with their exclusive. I mean, God of War, mm-hmm. like what happens when Microsoft goes, hey, what if we make a deal and you let us have this next God of War title on our system too. Then Sony has to go, wait, some people just buy our console for God of War. (laughs) Like, so I I think it was just because of the competitiveness of the market. And I think now that they're starting to realize that they can still continue to be competitive, but also play together. I think, I think is what is why it's opening up. But I mean, it's still going to take a little while. It's just how it is. And some, some games aren't designed for it right like like uh the best example i can think of is destiny 2 right destiny 2 has opened up cross save so i can play the same characters i have on my xbox on my playstation and on my pc but they the game is not designed for cross play but they're trying to figure out if they can work that in and it's like oh man so so some games that have lasted so long some some games that are built on the same engine that have been around for so long can't really like do it currently so they're trying some 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 companies are having to start from nothing and build a game that they've been building for a couple of years now that cross play and stuff like that has become a thing yeah and i know for a while it was an issue with cross play of people saying well it's not fair because the pc players are going to be able to rule over us because they're using mouse and keyboard well for one i actually play better with the controller the mouse and keyboard but i do understand the argument some people play better with mouse and keyboard but then Xbox was like, hey, now you can use mouse and keyboard on Xbox. Well, why did that take so long? They could have done that with the original Xbox if they wanted. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And and if you if you actually pay attention to a lot of the cross-platform gaming world, there's there's the people who still complain about mouse and keyboard. Like, I play better on mouse and keyboard than I do on, on controller. And But then there's also, like, there's people who complain about aim assist on controllers, right? Because yeah. keyboards don't really have aim assist. So there's always going to be the people who are like, well, this isn't fair. Well, that's not fair. Well, this isn't... And at one point, you just have to be like, all right, well, shut up, you know? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> all right. So it's 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 like the console war, right? Like, oh, Xbox is better. Oh, PlayStation's better. Oh, PC's better. I mean, just enjoy playing video games. Switch is better. Uh, discussion ended. They're all better <laughs> in some way. <laughs> just like playing video games. Just enjoy the games you play. Who cares what you play on? My phone is better yeah. than all of them, so. <laughs> I mean, technically, you're probably right. It can do more. Soon, they probably will be. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up that conversation. That went way longer than intended, but I think it was a good conversation. Yeah, we might as well have a pretty long episode for like our first official episode back. Yeah, true. Well, now on to the world of Dragon Ball. Let's make it three hours long, guys. All right, let's not do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I figured that since this game was Lesh's first taste of Dragon Ball Z, where Bradley and I had some previous experience with it, um, we'd review the Dragon Ball story as well. Um, from the Saiyan Saga up through the Cell Saga. Now, do note that this discussion will mostly be based on the story told in the game, not the anime or the manga. So I'm going to throw in a spoiler warning right here. This is for the Dragon Ball Z story. If you want to hear us talk about Dragon Ball Z story, keep listening. There will be a second spoiler warning for the game. So with that, let's throw in that spoiler warning. 
Warning, warning, spoilers incoming. Time is X minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Alright, here we are. With that stated, the game um, cuts a little bit of filler compared to the anime and fills in some gaps compared to the manga. So I figure um, we give our thoughts in just a few words on the story, maybe a sentence or two so far. We'll do Lesh, then Bradley, then I. So then we break off into a short discussion after that. So how about it? Lesh, what did you think of the Dragon Ball Z story up through the Cell Saga? Okay, so I liked it. Um, I wasn't totally in love with it, didn't really hate it, uh, I'm gonna admit that it really is just not my style of a story, I guess, like, I prefer, um, kind of a more grounded approach to me, I just found it to be, like, too over the top for my liking, um, which, and for a game, I think it's okay, because it kind of just makes it more fun, but we'll get to kind of the gameplay, uh, in a little bit, um, I, I'm gonna be totally honest, I don't like the Dragon Balls. I hate the concept of the Dragon Balls. Like, <laughs> when, uh, in the Frieza saga, right? When Krillin dies, I was like, oh my gosh, like, like he died. That's sad. And then for him just to come back to me, just like, it sucks all the stakes out of this series. And so I don't know. Like, for me, I just couldn't get well, behind that. Um, there is something interesting I, about that that we'll touch on in a little bit after okay. we do our discussions. Okay. Um, <laughs> with that said, uh, I've mentioned this before. He's one of my favorite anti-heroes. If you listen to the Birds of Prey uh, episode, I love Vegeta. Vegeta is like one of my favorite characters. I think he's hilarious. Um, I like Goku. I like Gohan. I like Pickle. I, I like kind of the main people. Uh, still don't like Bulma. I still hate Bulma. <laughs> like I just, I do not like her. Um, I don't like, uh, what's Goku's wife? Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi. I don't like Chi-Chi. I basically don't like any of the girls in the, in this. Like, in this. Like, they, they're all just so annoying, I find. Um, uh, what I did, I will admit out of the first three, um, sagas, uh, my favorite was the, um, the Saiyan saga, just because I felt that one was a little bit more, um, kind of grounded, right? It was kind of just like, hey, these bad guys are coming, like, like a planet didn't get blown up. Like, I think I prefer kind of more that type of storyline to me, like the Frieza stuff was cool, but then I was just kind of like, oh my God, this is just so like. This is so, this is just so over the top. I just couldn't get into it. I was not that big of a fan of the Cell Saga, mainly because I hate the androids. 16, 17, 18. I hate all three of them. I think I just, I, like, Cell wanted to eat them all. I'm like, take them. Like, I don't care. Like, who cares if you're super powerful? Like, just get these androids out of my sight. But no, I liked it, but I wasn't super in love with it, I should say. Okay. Bradley, what do you have to say? That was a few words from Lesh, apparently. So, <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's definitely the story I've played multiple times through Dragon Ball games. Um, it has a, kind of a refreshing change to it, though, that I really enjoyed. Um, it's like, like there was some things that they did very differently, and there were some things that they kept the same. And it was interesting to see how almost like a new narrative of the story we've been told. Like, I mean, I don't know how many times at this point, because I don't know how many Dragon Ball Z games there have actually been. Um, but I did really enjoy it. I mean, it was a fun game to play through. 
Um, there's aspects of it that I was like, eh, do you really need this? Do I really like this? And there were some things that I didn't even have to question. I just did not like. And um, the characters, some of the character play was a little meh to me, um, depending on the characters. Um, and then obviously you've got all the all the big names, all the, the main people that you don't even have to really know about Dragon Ball Z to know some of the characters. And um, I think up until the Cell Saga... I was kind of like, mm, I think a lot of these characters are kind of being used a little too much, um, and then some of them not enough. And uh, I would probably say, I mean, I, I, I uh, no matter what, I think I'm a more po- I have a more positive like opinion on it, and I enjoyed it. Cool. All right. Well, for me, um, well, let me put this in perspective. Um, when's the first time you heard about the Dragon Ball story and uh, really understood it and watched it or read it or whatever, Bradley? Uh, I way too long ago. All right, so a long time <laughs> ago. We'll just sure. leave it at that. And Lesh, this was your first time, right? Yeah. And for me, it was actually about a year and a half ago. It was the first time I watched Dragon Ball Z in its entirety over the course of two weeks. Um, <laughs> all 291 episodes of it. So I kind of binged it and it's still kind of fresh in my head. And still uh, kind of a new concept to me. A year and a half is not a lot of time for um, franchises to be a part of one. Now, Dragon Ball has been around since the 89, I believe, and early 90s as well. So, But mm-hmm. that, that gives you kind of the different perspectives that each of us have on this. For me, I absolutely love the Dragon Ball Z story. Um, I, it was just so different to anything else I had seen before in comics or other media. So I thought it was very interesting. And for me, the Cell Saga is actually my favorite saga just because it's the time where we get to see Gohan grow. To me, that was it's the Cell Saga, but to me, it's the Gohan Saga. And seeing Gohan become his peak. Um, the, the fight between Gohan and Cell and then going Super Saiyan 2 after seeing 16 um, get his head crushed and then how he absolutely destroys the Cell Juniors like it's a piece of cake and then does this for his friends and his family. And then seeing, you know, um, him lose his father and then him having to um, deal with that. And then his father coming to him in spirit to help him out, finally defeating Cell. And then that feeling of accomplishment after that. That's why, to me, this is the Gohan saga. And seeing Gohan grow, him going Super Saiyan for the first time, him saying to his father, you know, if you want me to go Super Saiyan, you actually have to try to kill me. And him being so smart to realize these types of things. And then just seeing his growth. That's why this is my favorite saga. We call it the Cell Saga, but I say again... To me, it's the Gohan saga, and that's why I love it so much. Um, for me, a lot of people love Frieza, but um, I thought Frieza's kind of annoying. And then he comes back later, and he's kind of cool later when he's Golden Frieza. Spoilers. Um, but to me, Frieza's okay. I actually do like Cell, though. I like how cocky he is and how over-the-top he is with everything and how he believes that he's the best and how um, he's just so smart and intelligent. And all the powers that he has in him from pulling for everybody else. I, I just think he's really cool. He reminds me of Amazo from um, the DC Universe, except intelligent as well. So that's kind of um, my brief overview of the story. Um, now to kind of touch on what Lesh was saying earlier with the Dragon Balls. A lot of people agree with you, which is why an OG, we call it OG Dragon Ball, most people. Original Dragon Ball, the first series that came out. The first arc was about the Dragon Balls. And then every arc after that kind of went away from the Dragon Balls. And they became more of a plot device or a little plot item that was used sometimes. I will say in the Demon Piccolo arc, the Dragon Balls became a big deal again because he wanted to become young. 
and he used them to become young. And then they had to, you know, go through the whole thing of killing him. And then Piccolo Jr. was born. And then the the Dragon Balls just kind of became a plot device. But on the story with Krillin, Krillin had died before in OG Dragon Ball. And so that's why that scene was so impactful for so many people was because the audience also did not know and Goku didn't know that Purunga could bring back people who had already died. And so Goku thought that Krillin was dead a second time, that there was no way to bring him back, which is what pushed him over the edge to go Super Saiyan, which is why it was so impactful at the moment, which is why, oh my goodness, my best friend just died. He already died once. We can't bring him back. I am extremely angry. And it, he, that's what makes him go Super Saiyan, and I think that's one of the, also one of the coolest moments. I say it second only to uh, Gohan versus Cell, where just how Goku is this playful character, and you see him get so angry that his whole demeanor changes, and he becomes a different person when he goes Super Saiyan, and he becomes just so angry yet calm at the same time. And that was all because he saw his best friend die, and he thought that his best friend could not be returned back to life. And it just so happened that Paranga could bring them back to life. So that's why it was still kind of impactful for most people, because they're, they still have this mindset of, oh, he already died once, he can't be brought back again. I see. Yeah, like, that's the big thing, right? Like, a lot of people got exposed to the Dragon Ball universe through Dragon Ball Z. Um, because it was the, the anime at the time, when we were younger, right? Yeah. Like, that was, like, that's the one I remember like like first i mean obviously besides like the things that some people don't consider anime anymore which is like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that but dragon ball z really was the one that a lot of people saw first and unless you go back and watch the original dragon ball story before it took before it turned into the z storyline you don't know about some of the events that have happened in the past you don't know that there hasn't been a like they're, they're like goku going super saiyan after krillin's death is like that didn't that's never happened right like that wasn't some that wasn't some like thing that he finally like had unlocked in his being like like it was just something that hadn't happened yet and and finally you get to see this moment that pushes him through that threshold over that power limit to where he's like now this this one being and and it unfolds into like everybody else right like everybody else realizes that there's this like inner power in them that they can unlock and it results in the Dragon Ball Z storyline yeah and I got to say, I can only imagine um, watching it air for the first time live. I was it, It's actually interesting. I was reading this th- this post online by somebody, and it was pretty much like throwback to when Goku first went Super Saiyan. Um, ten-year-old me was sitting in front of my TV, and I was watching um, the Namek Saga for the first time as it was um, airing live in the United States. And then um, Krillin died, and then Goku went Super Saiyan. And I thought to myself... He finally did it, didn't he? He finally became a Super Saiyan. I wanted to go and tell my family, but I knew they wouldn't understand. I was so excited and so <laughs> proud of him. And I just thought, can you imagine being a kid at the time and seeing that? I saw it as an adult. And you saw it when you were younger, Bradley, too. But I don't know if you saw it when it originally aired or as a rerun. But I can only imagine seeing it for the first time and not knowing that Super Saiyan is a thing. And just hearing the rumors about what a Super Saiyan is as you watch the show, growing up with it, not knowing that when the Super Saiyan is going to happen, or if it is even going to happen, or if it is a legend, and then seeing that for the first time live must have been amazing as a kid. Well, I can tell you I didn't, because that episode aired in 1991. <laughs> fair, fair. <So. laughs> you're, wait, hold on, you're not... I, th- I, thought, Bradley, I like, thought you were 76. Yeah, I thought you were like yeah, old, dude. Totally. No, no, I'm not that old. But no, I did not get to watch that episode air. But I did watch that show, like, almost on a rerun system. But but I don't know if people, some people might not know this, surprisingly. But uh, a lot of rerun systems back in the day would play an entire series through. Like, they wouldn't, 
they wouldn't play an episode and then the next day maybe play that same episode again. They would actually just play through the entire series of of a show or of a of a, of a like of a TV show and then kind of almost restart, right? Like the only time they would replay like episodes of a tv show would be on like saturday morning cartoons mm. right because that would be like but when when you would come home from like school or something like that and start watching a show it would be like they would continue the story as time went right because i mean people tuned in for it um so yeah no i mean i when i first started watching dragon ball z i didn't know about like stuff like that right and seeing him when i watched it like i didn't i didn't know that was a thing like i didn't know super saiyan was a thing i didn't know he was gonna do that um and seeing him kind of turn into this like like the pop culture term beast mode of himself mm, was yeah. incredibly like, like awesome. But at the same time, terrifying. Cause you're like, what's he, what can he do now? Like, what happened to his personality? So, Playful Goku. So, yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool. Like, I mean, watching it for the first time, even as a kid, I mean, if I went back and rewatched the entire Dragon Ball Z series now, like, like not even just playing it or like playing through it. Like it has kind of an interesting feeling, but watching just the series in a whole, I probably would still kind of feel the same kind of like goosebump feeling of watching him achieve Super Saiyan again. Oh yeah, for the absolutely. Because I got to say, um, when I first watched it, you know, I didn't. I avoided a lot of spoilers, surprisingly. You know, being watching it as a twenty-three-year-old, or I think I was twenty-three at the time. Yeah, twenty-three-year-old. I avoided a lot of spoilers, but um, I had seen artwork of Goku as a Super Saiyan, as a Super Saiyan three, even as Super Saiyan Blue and Super Saiyan God. So I knew what these forms were going to look like. And, you know, seeing pictures of him fighting Frieza, I knew it was going to happen during the Frieza battle and all that type of stuff. Um, so that was kind of ruined for me. But, like, one thing was, I didn't know that Vegeta and Bulma was going to be a thing with Trunks. To me, I, like, when the, when Trunks came from the future, I was like, oh, this is cool, a Super Saiyan guy. He must be a descendant of Goku, because I didn't know Vegeta was going to go Super Saiyan. Somehow I hadn't seen Vegeta art in Super Saiyan. But... Then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm Vegeta's kid. And I was like, whoa. And he was like, and Bulma's kid. And I, that just blew my mind. I was not I, expecting I, that. I will admit that cracked me up. That really did. I, I did laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, so that was something I did not expect. And that threw me for a loop. He's not as 23-year-old. So, yeah, that, that's another interesting thing. Um, So it seems that we all think positively of the Dragon Ball Z story. Um, Lesh a little on the lower side, but still positive, right? Yeah. So that's <laughs> good. Anything else y'all want to say about the story before we move on to the game? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next expand the expansion with like the Majin Saga and Boo oh yeah, and all that stuff. That's probably the can't wait for that part of the story to come out. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the Dragon Ball Z story. Interesting. Lesh said the same thing, and I know for a lot of people, it's their least favorite part, myself well, my, included. But um, my I have my own main... reasons. My main favorite part of Dragon Ball Z, like definitely, like with I, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, is uh is kind of not not quite the Cell Saga, but just before it with the androids, mm, like okay. discovering the androids, battling the androids, fighting against the androids. Like I really like them as characters. I think they're really interesting, and I love the the idea of like as the number goes up, they become more like, ult, like more perfect beings in a yeah. way. Um, more, and then also more closer to human, right? Like, cause you look at, you look at like Android 16 and like, although he's kind of the way he is, <laughs> like, you're like, oh, okay. And then you look at Android 17 and he's very Android, right? Like you can tell, yes. like he's very non-emotional and then you meet Android 18 and obviously as the story goes on, she becomes a much more important character. Yeah. Um, and kind of a more everyday character and Android 17 goes away, comes back, goes away, comes back. Like he plays out through stories. So. I really love the Android story, but I am looking forward to 
like playing through the Majin Buu story. Yeah. Well, I got to say, like with Android, it's interesting that difference between Android 17 and 18, because even looking Dragon Ball Super, like with the um, Tournament of Power arc, the um, 18 is much more human than 17 is, even though they're both humans, 100% at that point. 17 still has that kind of um, robotic type feel to him. Yeah. And his personality. Yeah. And it's not like a, a knock against the character. It's just part of his personality, which is interesting, I think. Yeah, it's not like it's not like his character. It's not like his personality is developed because of the fact that he's an android. He's just happens to be a very like stoic. emotionless, stoic kind of reserved like character, and yeah. it just happens like because I, well, I think when they first meet him, they're like like doesn't one of them make a joke like in at least in the I think it's in the anime, one of them makes a joke about like like they say like this dude's definitely an android because when he first starts talking yeah. he just has no emotion behind his face or his voice and it's so funny about that but it also it's just then you meet 18 and you're like wait a second what like why are 16 and 18 so like cartoonish and emotional like and they have their emotions and they have their their reactions and then 17 is just like yeah yeah and i think that further points to the idea of um if you didn't know lash i'm sure you knew bradley that um it, android was a mistranslation and they're actually cyborgs yeah i knew that as well oh, okay. so um yeah which is why if you look at like the japanese direct translations they'll say like c17 c16 and c18 which yeah. is cyborg um but you, it really points to that idea because they're so human because if you look you know at what they came from and then what they turn into when they become humans again that 18 has the same personality and 17 has the same personality to show that was just their human personalities that they kept as cyborgs or androids. Yeah. But I guess um last and, note yeah, before we move on um top 2 favorite characters in the story so far. Lesh, you start. Wait, uh okay, um Vegeta and Piccolo. Okay. Bradley? Um so counteractive to my favorite character in the actual anime um i'm gonna say gohan and probably goku okay for me my number one favorite character most relatable to me um in the first half of dragon ball z and spoiler alert all of dragon ball as well is piccolo i love especially in the the saiyan saga the i don't want to be here but it's what i have to do so i'm going to do it anyway and i'm not going to do it with a smile on my face i'm going to do it because i have to do it totally relatable but then also the idea of him becoming a father figure for gohan and um really starting to like the kid and care for the kid also relatable to me so that's why piccolo is my number one favorite and then my number two favorite is has to do with my favorite art gohan because of his growth through the gohan arc yeah. <laughs> or up through the gohan arc i will say that the relationship between gohan and piccolo is absolutely one of my favorite things about dragon ball z for me absolutely i totally agree with you yeah for sure i i love their relationship so the the thing i was kind of talking about with like counter counter like not really the same thing in the anime is like i didn't like their like portrayal of trunks right like he seemed to get kind of almost like a back seat when it came to some of the active story which mm -hmm. is like how are you doing this <laughs> like he's such a like he's kind of important and they're yeah. like yeah no he's just He's just going to do this. And He's you're just like, there. wait, so Trun Trunks is my favorite Dragon Ball Z character. Um, but with the with how the game told the story, like I was like, well, can't really say him because 
He doesn't do much. As, as, he's as not someone, really there. As someone that was unfamiliar with Dragon Ball Z, I, I did find it odd that he's like playable. But then I also think he doesn't really do much. So, but it's good to know that he has a bigger role in. Well, I'll I'll describe it in the actual gameplay section that we're about to get into. Yeah. Oh yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, so. and Lesh, you you still have to watch Dragon Ball Super because there's a lot of good stuff with Gohan Piccolo in there, and then Dragon Ball Super becomes the Goku and Vegeta show. So, all right, you like you would that. really like Dragon Ball Super. I like that. And then there's also <laughs> Trunks in Dragon Ball Super as well. So anyway, cool. let's throw in another spoiler warning for the actual game. So here's a spoiler warning. Go ahead and stop listening if you do not want to have the game spoiled for you up through the Cell Saga. Warning, warning, spoilers incoming. Minus X minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Alrighty, well, now that we've talked about the story, let's talk about the game specifically. This discussion will include gameplay, game mechanics, game items, and play styles, and controls. And Bradley and I can touch on the differences between the anime slash manga and the game. How about let's start with a rating of the game up through the Cell Saga? Then we'll hop into a discussion, and um, how would each of you rate the game out of 10 then? Let's start with Bradley this time. Um, so my overall rating, uh, it's kind of like on, on the line, right? Like I'd probably give it like a 7.58 out of 10, because it is an enjoyable game. I did like it a lot. Um, there's, like I said, there's aspects of it that I didn't like, but I mean, I don't think I've ever played a game. There's probably very few games that I relate I would rate as a ten, so I, but I'd give mm-hmm. it a seven point five more than likely. Cool. All right, I guess I'll go uh, next. Oh, okay. Or unless you can go, actually. No, no you go. You go. Josh. Okay. So so far, as of the Cell Saga, I give Dragon Ball Z Kakarot a solid eight out of ten. Could the game have been better? I mean, maybe. Uh, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, an open world RPG that follows a predetermined storyline. And I think they managed to make it work. Does it feel a little limited? Sure. But it kind of has to, since it's a pre-existing story. Some RPG elements felt a bit forced and not too fun, like fishing and eating. But I absolutely loved orb collection, the skill tree, random enemy encounters, and side quests. These are the elements that made the game feel like an RPG, despite its linear, although great, story. The controls and mechanics are clever, intuitive, and easy to use. I will say that the difficulty of the game is a bit high for my liking, but I also realize I'm probably in the minority when it comes to that. When it comes to challenges, I prefer the thought-provoking brain teasers and puzzles rather than the quick, kill the enemy before the enemy kills you. But again, that's just me. Lastly, with the title of this game, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, I was afraid that you would only be able to play as Goku and the fights with the other Z fighters would be cutscenes, but I'm really happy I got to play as Piccolo and Gohan. Oh yeah. Fighting as Vegeta was cool too, I guess. <laughs> Again, I give DBZ Kakarot an 8 out of 10. It's actually, I think this is probably the closest I think we've all probably ever been. Because I'm probably like in the 7, 7.5 range. <laughs> um, and I completely agree with your review, Josh. For me, I think the fu- I, I think the game itself, it, like the fighting is super fun. I think... The, the fighting system, I think, is easy to learn, but 
I, I do think it's very kind of just, it's, it's, it's fun, right? That, that's yeah. just, it's it. It's fun. Like fighting people is fun, but I do think as an RPG, those elements are really kind of lacking, especially when you can, you know, compare them to other, uh, like Odyssey and stuff before. Um, I, so I do think that could have used a bit of work. Um, I do like the skill tree, um, and kind of customizing, uh, the different heroes. Um, yeah, I, I think the fishing, like, I don't think I've ever, like, unless I had to, I don't think I've ever actually fished in that game. Like, basically, like, and, like, cooking and stuff. I never did any of that stuff. Um, personally, I found the, uh, intermissions between the story arcs to kind of slow the game down a little too much for my liking. Um, that's interesting. But, I have a theory about that after you finish. Okay, cool. Um, and then another thing, um, I, w- I wasn't a big fan of many of the side quests, but I think that might be different for like people that have played or that know the story. Because apparently, like all the side quests are supposed to be like like those were episodes or something. Yes, as well. That's so, my so I think I think that might be why I didn't really like. I thought they were like like I didn't really find any of them memorable. Like I can't even name a side quest to you guys because I just I don't remember what happened. Um, I think I helped Oolong with something. I don't yeah, know. some of them were some um, of them were like filler episodes. Yeah, that happened. Um, but yeah, I do think it's a really fun game. I do think that like mostly the RPG elements could have used some polish uh, here and there. But like I said, it was fun. Cool fun game. All yeah. right. Well, on that theory, I have um, a lot of the side quests I liked a lot because there were characters like Android Eight, Baba, Pilaf, and the Pilaf Gang, Oolong, um, Puar, all these characters that are very lightly in dragon ball z and dragon ball super but very heavily in og dragon ball getting to see them as part of the the um game like android 8 is not at all in dragon ball z or in um dragon ball super actually i think android 8 is in like a a five second scene when goku's flying and sees him and waves hi to him in dragon ball z but like he's never again in dragon ball z or dragon ball super and just finding him while looking for side quests and then doing a side quest with android 8 was so cool to me because of that because we hadn't seen him since Kid Goku in original Dragon Ball. And then same thing with like Puar. There was this um, uh, side quest where Puar needed your help to go find Yamcha because Yamcha was trying to pick up girls and ended up having two girlfriends at the same time. And you had to fight robots that they brought out to kill Yamcha. And I was like, what? This is so wacky, but it's super Yamcha. That's like how <laughs> something would actually happen. And just like stuff like that I thought was really cool but someone who is not familiar with the dragon ball franchise and this is their first outing to dragon ball i can understand why it's not as interesting because you don't have a connection to these characters uh i i want to say one thing actually before um we continue because there's one thing i forgot to mention that i actually do really like um when you uh it's weird because i don't i'm not a fan of the dragon balls but i think like in terms of gameplay i think they actually make it interesting that you can use them to bring back like old boss battles which i think is really cool and i like that aspect of it like i just i revived everyone i'm like i'm fighting you all again you know so i I thought that was pretty neat but i just wanted to add in there uh that's another thing that i really like yeah i also like the mechanic of using the dragon radar just like you would in the show to find the dragon balls and then how you have to wait yeah i think you only have to wait 24 hours whereas you would have to wait a year for you know in the show but it's still an interesting concept in the way of implementing yeah um one thing that I thought was really cool that I did not think, and Bradley, you let me know what you think. I thought they were going to cut this from the game, but I'm really happy they kept it in there because it was one of my favorite filler episodes. And that's 
Goku and Piccolo going to get the driver's license. Um, yeah, like, I wasn't expecting that to be in the game at all. Um, I, I, I love, I love the episode itself, um, and I loved seeing it in the game. Uh, but yeah, no, that was definitely one of the things I thought they could, um, leave to one of the filler side missions, right? Like, cause that was one of the big things they did with this game was they cut out a lot of the filler, mm-hmm. like, stuff. And yeah, when that came up, I was like, wait, really? <laughs> like, that's like, it's one of those moments that, like, I, like is great to see. And I think it's probably because it's one of, I think, most people's favorite filler episodes in the entire series. Absolutely. Which is why I think they forced it in there. I shouldn't say forced. I think it's why they left it in there. Yeah. I just wish that they had gone with the original look that they had where, like, um, Piccolo had to wear regular clothes and, like, he had the hat, backwards hat and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no. I I, I think that would have been great, too. But I also think it would have been kind of disconnecting from the game. Fair. Yeah. Um, because I remember it being very disconnecting in the show as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, One other thing I thought was interesting was they explained Goten. In the show, it's just kind of like, oh, there's this time skip, and oh, here's this kid that looks like Goku, and then, oh, it's Goku's son. When did Goku have time to have a son? Well, the game explains it, because there's the whole thing of, like, when Chi-Chi's like, um, oh, well, the Cell games aren't for a bit. Um, You guys are done in the hyperbolic time chamber. Do you guys want to go on a family picnic? And they're like, sure. And then Gohan sees how happy his parents are, and they're like, oh, I got to go do something. You guys go uh, go on the picnic by yourselves. And that's the last time that Goku and Chi-Chi are alone. So I can assume that's the time where um, we, we get Goten. I'll just leave it at that. Go to work, Goku. Yeah, so that's something that's not explained in the show. So that kind of gives us an explanation. It's so funny to me, though, too, like how alike Goten and Goku look. Yeah. Like Goten yeah. looks like a miniature version of Goku. Like he's got the same hair. But then you look at like kid gohan right you see him in the beginning of the game he's got like the longer hair that kind of goes down like it doesn't stand up um like like his dad's does and and then you yeah and then you see goten and you're like is that just like is that like kid goku like because we have kid trunks is that kid goku and then it's like no that's that's it's goten and you're like who (laughs) well yeah that's exactly how it (laughs) happened in the show but my theory about that is chi chi is like well my husband's dead again and i need to have something to remind me of him here on earth so this kid that i had i'm gonna make his hair like my husband probably for sure you know because like... she's so controlling <laughs> and then it's interesting that she changed she trains goten as compared to wanting gohan to study but i'm getting off topic we're getting into the part two um for in a couple weeks so I'll, I'll leave that at that i just thought it was interesting that they explained where goten came from um, yeah, another, no, yeah, I like that as well. Absolutely. Another thing I thought was kind of cool was I have two more things, and then I figure open up to a discussion because I'm, I'm just throwing out things I've written down so I don't forget them. It's all good. Um, in Dragon Ball Z in the Saiyan Saga, originally on the show and in the manga, the I think it's Vegeta and Nappa recognize Piccolo as a Namekian, and that's the first time we hear of Namekians. In the game, Raditz, when he first came to Earth, recognized him as a Namekian, which makes sense because Raditz would know what Namekians are. And like, well, what's a Namekian doing here on Earth? But the reason it didn't happen in the manga or the TV show is um, Akira Toriyama, the writer of Dragon Ball, is known for making things up as he goes along. So he obviously didn't have the idea of Namekians in his head at the time that he was writing the beginning of the Saiyan saga. But they went back and retconned it, I think, correctly in the game, making it so Raditz recognized Piccolo as a Namekian, which I thought was a cool addition. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. And then the one other thing I was going to say is I really like the idea of how when you're traveling around, you can find random photos on the ground and you pick it up and it's a memory from OG Dragon Ball. I thought that was really cool. A nice little feature. Awesome. Yeah, I agree with that too. All right, well, that's the last of my points I've written down. (laughs) It it makes it kind of feel like that world has been lived in for a while. Absolutely. It's good for world building. By adding all those, yeah. All right, what other things do you guys want to discuss about this game? Um, so one of my big things, right, like, that I love about it, and this goes definitely into game mechanics and, like, controls and stuff, um, anybody who's played, like, Xenoblade will know how complicated the controls of Xenoblade can get, um, and, like, there's a nice kind of, like, reset to, to Dragon Ball Z Kakarot where it's not that complicated, honestly, like, like, uh, when I when I first started playing Xenoblade, there was parts where I was like, "How do I land? Like, why am I still <laughs> flying?" And like Dragon Ball Z Kakarot's like, "Hey, th- if you don't want to be in the air, this is all you do." And I thought that was great. They give you definite like they give you a definite like understanding of how your controls work, how you're controlling your character, how the mechanics work. And I thought that was great on them. I think they probably got some feedback from the Xenoblade games and saw that, and or even just played it and were like, "Wow, this is a nightmare." And um, but, uh, and then I love that it, it, like a lot of fighting games, it definitely has that, that range of like being able to play the game and being a master of the game, right? Like there's so many moments that like, you, like if you watch clips of it, you're like, holy crap, how's this guy doing this? And then, and you might just, you might just play and just regular, do regular combos, but um, it's definitely a really fun game and, and the gameplay, the mechanics, the controls, just everything in general, like was very well-rounded and the game items were interesting how they made the Dragon Balls, like a key kind of element for like interesting things to like reverse situations to bring back boss fights. So you weren't like, Oh, let me like reset my entire game so I can get to this one fight. Right. And so I think they did a really good job and the gameplay definitely shows and the different details, the things that's changed, um, because now that the show's been out for so long, there's things that they know now that they didn't know then. Yeah. So. Building off of that uh, for, for a little bit, um, one thing that I did appreciate, um, so, sometimes in, in games, like uh, you'll get to like some level or some boss or something, and um, you'll just get like so frustrated with it and just be like, oh my gosh, this sucks. I never, ever felt that with Kakarot. Like every time I would lose... I would, and I played on normal difficulty in case anyone's wondering. And anytime I would lose, it was kind of like, okay, I know what I did wrong with this. Like, I know how I can fix it. And then I would, you know, I would try again. And like, I never at all felt frustrated with the combat, um, or just like with fighting anyone in general. Even if, you know, something, some things were harder than others, but like, I always felt that it was beatable. Never kind of like, you know, I never felt like the game was like picking on me or anything like that, which I appreciated. Yeah, um, and I also got to say, uh, back to the controls real quick, um, in most games, flying, whether it's a person flying, a creature flying, or video or a um, vehicle flying, is a pain and so hard to control. This was the easiest and most intuitive flying has ever been in a video game. Playing with the controller, camera with the right stick, moving left, right, forward, backwards with the left stick, and then right bumper, right trigger for moving up and down. Moving around in 3D space along the X, Y, and Z axis has never been so easy. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. I was just so surprised by that. Um, <laughs> also, the I, I kind of 
kicked on the idea of the food earlier, but I will say one thing that is positive about it. Um, Lesh was telling me how the Cell Jr. fight was like the hardest fight he'd ever done. Oh, I, yeah, I hated that. <laughs> For me, I, I actually went through the Cell Jr. fight all right, but because you told me that, I just brought a bunch of healing items. Yeah. I kept spamming healing items to be able to make it through it. And then there was the fight against Cell with Super Saiyan 2 Gohan. But I right before I did that, I went over to the nearest city, and I had been stocking up on like dino meat and herbs and stuff. And so I bought five of the most expensive um, recipe <laughs> food like dishes that they had that would increase like your HP by like 500, which isn't much, you know, and your attack by like 100 or something like that. Again, not much, but it would boost your HP and attack a high percentage, like 10% for three minutes. So I had five of these items. I spammed them. I ate all of them. And then I went into the fight against Cell and I cleared it in like 90 seconds <laughs> because I was just so overpowered for that amount of time. So that's a, that's a kind of cool little thing that you can do with the food is get these little boosts that would help you, which makes sense according to, you know, how much Saiyans eat and need to replenish their energy. So it's, it's a cool mechanic. It's just kind of a pain, except when you really, really need it. It's not something you would do normally. Yeah, no, I uh, like... It definitely does fit the story, right? Like, I mean, there's always those memes of, like, Goku eating, like, a bunch of food, and then you find out, like, why. Like, why is is such an actual, like, thing about him and the thing yeah. about all of them. Um, and then, like, I don't know if, like, I, like this is the thing is, I, I, I don't know if people know this about just the story of the game itself. Like, Goku's clothes are heavy. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like, they're super heavy, right? Like, there's a, there's a YouTube channel... Um, that does like a bunch of science stuff, and I can't believe I'm forgetting what they're called because I love them. I watch them all the time. They do an episode about what it would be like to wear clothes equal to the weight that Goku's wearing, and the conclusion in the end is you can't. Like you wouldn't be able to. Challenge accepted. <laughs> like because just to try to make up for the like, because then at one point he's like, oh yeah, if we. If we change it to be, like, based on our mass and based on our strength and our gravity, like, we could do this, but it actually wouldn't help you in any way at that point. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, but then Goku's, like, because he's so strong, he's wearing so much more, like, you're, it's it's heavy. Like, he's wearing heavy clothes and just, I mean, think about how much walking around with the weight of those clothes would be, how much energy it would take, how much food you would need to eat to to like make up for that and then it's and interesting with the different species too like namekians don't need to eat they just drink water and then you look at like um piccolo who also has well, he is, clothing. he is a cucumber yeah <laughs> <laughs> he yeah all he needs to do is drink water and he is in the same situation so it's cool that you know like you don't need to like, like just the, the lore behind it you know of like Goku and Piccolo are in the same situation with weighted clothing and all that training and strength, but Goku needs to eat to replenish because of the species he is, and Piccolo does not because of the species really it is. Yeah. So. And then, yeah, I I, I think it was a really, I, I obviously was like, eh, kind of annoying that I have to constantly keep eating, but at the same time it's like, it's realistic. You know, yeah, it's a cool it's concept, it's just annoying. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of what else to say, and up through the Cell Saga, I don't really have much. I think we kind of touched on everything. Well, I was going to go back to my one negative thing. Go for um, it. That, well, like, not my one. I mean, there's quite a few, but the one that bothered me the most when I was talking about Trunks. Oh, yeah. So so what people don't understand is 
Trunks kind of, besides Gohan, Trunks is almost the center to the Cell story. Yeah. Right? He's the reason they they know what's about to happen. He's he's warned them. Like, the thing about Trunks that you see in the Cell saga is he is future Trunks. Right? That's like, you're not, you're not getting this older, like, guy who's just coming out of nowhere that's like, oh, I'm Vegeta's son. Right? Like, like he's from the future. And he has seen what happens when Cell succeeds. Right? And... Um, and so he, like, he's centered around that, right? Like, he is important in a lot of the fights in the show and in the manga, and he is pretty, like, key in knowing certain things and training and how he fights and preparing them for how Cell is about to fight and knowing, like, like, telling them ahead of time that there's a, like, he has more than one form. Like, this, this, what you're seeing now is not what he will inevitably become oh yeah and the whole and, thing with like android 19 and 20 well these aren't the right androids yeah and so like and they they kind of cut him down right like and then you you don't really get to play as him much either right like there's a lot of when you do play as him it's a lot of going from this point yeah. to this point to this point to this point and then i think he has like one major fight against freeze and it's like yeah and it's like mm, this doesn't at all and it's it's crazy to think that they removed a lot of the filler episodes but then almost removed a crazy amount of one character's story too because yeah. it's like he's in, he is important right like this is where he becomes this character and he becomes really important and granted he has a much bigger role coming up right when he is kid trunks with mm-hmm. goten so but like it was just it was so weird to me to play that part of the story and go wait a second i'm already done with trunks like <laughs> Well, that makes me so. wonder. You've seen the history of Trunks episode, the special? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if... Because we have the two DLCs. One's going to be Battle of Gods. We think one might be um, Resurrection F. Then there's a third. What if that third is, like, the history of Trunks arc? It could be. That'd be kind of um, cool. Yeah, it definitely it definitely would be cool to play through and see. Like future um, Gohan and everything. Yeah, because that's that's the big thing about it, right? Like... They, um, there's a really cool, like, fan movie, fan-made movie oh, about yeah, future it. Trunks, and, and, um, like, yeah, it would definitely would be cool to see the history of, Go- uh, the history of Trunks episode as a part of the story in the future. I don't, like, I don't know how much you could really do with, like, a full DLC to fit mm-hmm. that story, but yeah, it had to be like an episode. Be, Hold yeah, on. I think it'd be pretty cool. I, I have a, I have a question. Bradley, you beat Kakarot, right? Yeah. Can I cuz I don't really remember and I'm sorry Josh this might be a little spoiled but you you know Dragon Ball Z anyway. Yeah. Is is, is Trunks even playable at the end of um cuz I know you can free roam with like everybody. Is Trunks even there? Yeah, you can choose him. You can. Okay. Cuz for yeah. some reason I was like I don't even think you can pick Trunks, but okay, I guess you can. Never mind. Yeah, I now I'm not sure actually. Like adult it. trunks, Uh-oh. I don't know. Well, I, I, th- I know I, kid trunks is there. I thought I, I, I thought I that was the I, if I maybe I'm thinking of the wrong game, but I thought when I finished, I was like, eh, and adult trunks. <laughs> like, not now, I kind of want to look back, but but now, yeah, now I I'm can't actually. Now I'm not entirely sure that you bring it up. Maybe I'm thinking of a different because that'd be really messed up if you if you couldn't even play him at the end of the game they, i mean they really did cut him that, that would be really, really messed up it's really sad i'm looking at I, I will say speaking about trunks and him fighting um i literally like five minutes before we started recording i finished the cell saga because i've been so busy i'm trying to catch up on gaming like 
quick side note, my 2DS XL came in and I have Pokemon Y and Pokemon Alpha Sapphire now. And so I'm finally playing those games. I'll be getting Moon and Ultra Sun in the next few weeks so I can play through those games finally. So I'm catching up on a lot of stuff right now since I was so behind on everything. But um, so I just played through the Cell Saga and I really like the feature with the assist when you're fighting with other people, how you can call them in to help you with stuff. Like when I was playing as Goku, I had uh, Trunks and Vegeta helping me out. And I was able to like call in Trunks to do a sword attack and Vegeta to do Gallic Gun while I'm trying to use a Kamehameha, which is really cool to have them like distract while I'm also attacking. And then the whole thing, like you could do a combo attack with them. I thought it was really cool. And I got to say, the art in this game is beautiful, especially in the Cell Saga. Oh man, it looked so good. Okay, so uh, I just want to add, have a little bit of clarification here. So you do actually not get future chunks after you beat the game. So what but, game am I thinking of? But you can unlock him. So if you talk to Bulma as Goku after you beat the game, um, a new a side mission will unlock, and then you can. I guess if you complete maybe, that, then you get future chunks. Oh, maybe that's, cool. that's what I'm thinking so, of. That's maybe I like that's that better actually. Because yeah. I definitely do remember the side mission that gives you doing it, the side mission that yeah. gives it to you. And I remember like being like I'm like because I think I looked it up actually because I was like I was like why can't I do this? And <laughs> so I think I looked it up and I was like okay and then I went and played it. But I think that maybe that's why I'm thinking it might have been a different situation. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. All right. Um, well, if that's all, I have one. I have one closing statement about the game. But if we have other things to talk about, let's do that first. I don't have anything else. I I kind of wanted to ask like. It's it's I'm not really off topic, but it's less about the game. Is like who is your guys' favorite like Dragon Ball character? Like of all of them, like even the up to current stories. Okay, so for me, it's a tie between Piccolo, Kid Gohan, not Adult Gohan, but Kid Gohan, and Gogeta. Those are my three favorites, and it's uh, really a tie between all three. If we're looking at the whole scope of Dragon Ball, if we're looking at Dragon Ball Z, it's Piccolo and then Kid Gohan. But if we add in Dragon Ball Super, where those two take a backseat, Gogeta kind of comes up, and Piccolo and Kid Gohan kind of get ev- evened out for me. Can I pick Vegito? Yeah, you can. I pick Gogeta, so you can pick a fusion. Okay, if you want. yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Vegito, just because I thought that was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, wait until Dragon um, Ball Super with <laughs> Blue Vegito. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, no, that's epic. Like, um. Okay, yeah, I was just I was kind of interested in that. Well, now you got to answer. Um, <laughs> well, so I obviously I like Future Trunks. I like Kid Trunks too. Um I like Go Tanks. Yeah. Uh, the Kid Fusion. I think it's I think he's so funny. Um I, I think it's I, th- I think it's so interesting that he's such like he's so he's so cocky as well, you know? Um and like I mean like we'll get to see him soon. Um but then uh I really like kind of the new some of the newer stuff. I really like Goku Black. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, He's Z- cool. Zamzu, Zamzu inside Goku's body is really cool. Like, I love that he kind of is unlocking this, like, even more power than Goku already has, you know? Like, it's like, it's like oh, Goku's Rose. super strong. And then you're like, oh, Goku Black is like 30,000 times that. Yeah. <laughs> and immortal. So, yeah, also. And then, and then I love that he becomes a... Uh, is it is it Rose Goku Black? Rose, yeah, um, yeah, Rose. Super Saiyan Rose, where he's got where he's got the pink hair, <laughs> and then he fuses with Zamas to become Fuse Zamas. Yeah, uh, I just that, I think that he's a really cool character. Yeah, I agree. 
All right. Well, the last thing I had in closing was I, like I said, I like this game. I gave it an eight out of 10. I really like how it adapted the Dragon Ball Z story. I think that this game style would also work really, really well for Dragon Ball GT. And I really hope that in the future, after all this DLC stuff is done, I hope that they announce that they're going to do the same exact game mechanics and game style for Dragon Ball GT. I think it works so well. I'd love that too. You know, like, like I mentioned before, I, I feel like playing through Kakarot, I'm playing the same kind of Dragon Ball Z story. Um, obviously it is Dragon Ball Z, so it's always going to be the same story, but I, I would love to see this company continue forward it with some of the other Dragon Ball storylines. Yeah. With Super, it's kind of tough because Super's a little more tough to put into a game like this and also Super's still continuing on right now where Dragon Ball GT has a beginning and an end. And it kind of takes place, except for the first arc that takes place in space, The every other arc takes place on Earth. And so it worked well for a game like this, I think. What's the most recent... What's the most recent movie? Broly. The Dragon Ball Super Broly movie. Okay, yeah. I want to see I want to see Broly too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I think and then we can also have gonna... Gogeta in because of that. I think yeah. what's cool too is like if they do decide to do like another game in this style is like they obviously they know like the the criticisms, right? And they can kind of just mm, build yeah. off of that and make it even better, you know. Um, we saw the same thing with like Assassin's Creed 1. Uncharted 1, like, these were not perfect games, but they were able to, you know, take the feedback and make them great, you know? Like, so I'm excited if they do another Dragon Ball game. I was going to say, look at the difference between Assassin's Creed Origin and Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And imagine if we had leaps like that in a game like this up to a GT game, and then maybe a super game after super finishes. Yeah. But... So, OG Dragon Ball would be interesting, but I think that's more like a Telltale-style game. Yeah, it's. I would say it's probably more. It would definitely be more of like a mostly story driven game rather than like like open kind of RPG combat game, you know. Yeah, or it'd have to be a strict like fighting game. Yeah, and it's also a much shorter story. Yes, right. Like like the original Dragon Ball storyline is very like obviously it took a long time, right? Because back then, like all like all shows took a long time. But when you look at it. Like, as an overview, it's a very short storyline. Yeah, it had more arcs, but shorter arcs. Yeah. All right, well, I think that finally closes our discussion <laughs> on the first half of Dragon Ball Z and the first half of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, with a little bit of teasings of GT and Super and OG Dragon Ball in there as well. So, with that, um, I guess... All the people can be back from... We'll have the timestamps in the show notes of when we get back to the game and activity, which will be right now. So welcome back to those people that skipped for the spoiler warnings. You've returned. Welcome. All, All right, right. So, so I guess onto the game's activity. Yeah, so, finally. <laughs> yeah. So as mentioned in Newsflash, uh, Xbox is having a special Inside Xbox event. This upcoming Thursday, May 7th, we are recording on Saturday, May 2nd. Um, this is going to be our first official look at brand new, hopefully brand new games. So we're going to do a little prediction game. Uh, we each have three predictions about what will happen and what, be, what will be shown during the event. And then we're going to revisit these predictions uh, next episode to see who wins. So uh, a few rules. Uh, the predictions can be as safe or as risky as you want. 
but the other two co-hosts can overturn your prediction if they feel that it's too safe. For example, uh, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, shows up. That might be a little too safe of a prediction. Uh, Phil Spencer shows up with a Halo shirt and shows us Halo Infinite. That is like, okay, that's good. That's a cool prediction. Uh, the predictions can be about anything, not just about the games that will be shown, but also presenters and hardware. And then you cannot predict something we already know about, obviously. So, for example, you cannot predict that we're going to see Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay, because we know that's coming. If you want a prediction revolving around Valhalla, you have to be specific about what type of gameplay we'll be seeing. When does Valhalla appear during the show? Is it the first that game that we see? Is it the last? Etc. Um, should I go first? Guess I have to delete one of my predictions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the process of writing my predictions right now. Okay, so I'm gonna go first then to give these guys. Well, do some we want to do like? Do we want to do like one prediction, one prediction, one prediction? That's uh, what I was two, thinking. Two, all right, two. I just okay. wrote my three, and some just, of them just, are crazy. Just so that way, like no one takes like all of the predictions that someone had. You know, at least fair. It kind of yeah. gives you time to think in case something happens. So I'm gonna go with my first prediction. All right, I think. Um, the inside Xbox begins, and immediately, first thing we get is Cyberpunk 2077. I'm going to continue with this, my prediction, all right? I think we're going to see a, like, a, like a bunch of gameplay, and then right after it ends, someone will come out, I don't know who, and will say, oh, you know, Cyberpunk 2077, it's coming to, you know, uh, Xbox One. Oh, but you just saw it run out of a Series X. So that's my prediction. I think Cyberpunk... Comes out first, and then someone goes, yeah, that's Series X gameplay you just saw. Is it weird that that's super detailed, but I want to say that's way too safe? I mean, that's fine. If you want to overturn it, that's fine. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, no, I think I think, I think it's a pretty good prediction. Um, oh, I, I will say, I want to say, too, that the way I kind of organize my predictions, it goes from, like, safe to, like, Kind of mid-ground where you'd like, kind of like lean forward in your chair and be like, oh, okay. And then my third one is like, you're flipping something. Oh, all of mine are crazy and they're all... That's fine. Um, ...announcements. That's okay. Than, like what they're going to do. All of mine are super safe. So that's okay, that's okay. all of them overturned. So the only the only thing I think that's kind of overly safe about yours is that it's Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. You know, like, because obviously we know that game's coming and it has been delayed. But no, I think I think because you expanded on it. That, that's why, yeah. I wanted to make yeah, sure it's expanded on. on. Like, it can't just be cyberpunk. It needs to be first thing that we see, and then someone has to specifically say something along the lines of, "Yeah, that was Series X gameplay, not Xbox One that you saw." Something yeah, along okay. those lines. Yeah, I think that's a good one. All right. Um, Shall, I go, go next? Shall I go second? Oh, yeah, okay. Bradley, you I go. Can, yeah. Um. So. Uh, this is obviously something we talked about in the group chat. Um, I think that Bethesda is going to uh, announce their location for the new Elder Scrolls Online. Or not Elder Scrolls Online, the Elder Scrolls 6. Um, I think they're going to, because obviously they've been doing a lot of work with Elder Scrolls Online and Greymore and stuff like that. I think somebody's going to come out and, well, I don't even think somebody's going to come out. I think it's just going to start. You know, like they do sometimes where the trailer just starts. I think it's going to have a slow build. And you're going to start to notice these things, right? You're going to see all the new artwork, all the new dimensions, all the new storyline. And it's def- like it's definitely being made for the new like generation of consoles, right? It's been so long in production that at this point they're probably like, let's start doing it for the new ones. And it's going to come up and it's going to say Elder Scrolls 6. And like it's going to have 
Ohio. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man, it's that's have, bold. That's bold. I think if if I'm being real, I think it's going to be Shadowmere or, or what's it called? Oh, sorry, um, what's it called? What's the? I have it written down, but I think it's the wrong name. It's basically the the like Argonian homeworld. Oh, um, um uh, Black Marsh. It's the Black Marsh area. Yeah. So yeah, it's Black Marsh. Um, so I think it's going to say Elder Scrolls Six Black Marsh, right? Like, I think that's where oh, we're going next. That'd be awesome. And and so... Okay, let me say real quick, if your projection is right, even if it's not Black Marsh, if it's Elder Scrolls Six related, I will immediately run over to PNC, withdraw $100, put it in an envelope, and hide it. So no matter what happens when that game comes out, I'm ready to purchase it. <laughs> I could be broke, but I'll have $100 to the side so I can purchase the Ultimate Edition or whatever it's called and be ready to download Elder Scrolls Six. If that happens, I, I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> and I, I do hope it's Black Marsh because Argonians I, are really cool. And I really like because I, I feel like Bethesda. I feel like Bethesda does kind of not not really rely on Xbox, but I feel like they have like a, a little bit better of a relationship with Microsoft, mm. which is why I think they could announce it at mm. the Xbox show, the official showing. Makes sense. <clears throat> all right, that's my first prediction. I like it. All right. I'll say all three of my predictions depend on them talking about the specs of the Xbox Series X. Okay. Um, Prediction number one. I think they're going to pull an Apple with Mac Pro. If you guys remember when the Mac Pro was first um, released at WWDC, I think uh, two years ago maybe. Or maybe it was last year. I don't remember. But either way, they said, well, yes, it's expensive, but look at it next to a PC. We spec'd out a PC the same way, and you can see it's actually more expensive. So we're a good deal. I think what they're going to do is, since there's all this comparison to PC gaming, I think they're going to say, here's the Xbox Series X. Here's its price. People are going to go, oof. And they're going to say, all right, we spec'd out a PC with the same specs. Notice, it's about the same price. Or something like that. Or, hey, oh, okay. it's cheaper than that. I see so I think they're going to okay. make a comparison to um, a gaming PC that's spec'd out the same way and kind of show that, hey, it's a good price. Or it, maybe they won't even do it. Like for price, maybe they'll just do. I think they're just going to compare it to a gaming PC spec'd out the same way, talking about what the specs are similar to. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they definitely could. It's it's honestly so funny to me to think about how much people compare. Like, like it, it's so weird seeing game companies and and like like entertainment companies like take so much attention to PC gaming. You know because. I don't know if people know this statistically. PC is the lowest population of gamers yeah. in the world. And it used right? to be so like, hobbyist. Right. And and people are constantly like, oh, but you should buy the Xbox because it's just as strong as this PC. It's like, dude, <laughs> like they're going to buy that anyways because that's where like consoles consoles <laughs> are where people play, right? Like, yeah. like a PC is something that is it was very hobbyist. And, and after you kind of built it up, you don't really need to ever buy a new one. You just continue to upgrade it. But it's it's always just so funny to me that people are always like, oh, but look at what the Xbox, like Series X can do compared to this the Omen, like the HP Omen. It's like, yeah, no, we know, like we get it. Like, there's not a lot of us out here. Like, you're going like because I mean I think what is it right now? I think Sony still has the highest population. Does PS4 still have the highest population of players? I think so. I think so. Um, granted, I mean Nintendo Switch to just sell out of. <laughs> all of their consoles oh yeah so when i went to walmart high up there. <laughs> it was crazy went to walmart to buy an sd card for my 2ds and i just looked at the nintendo case and it was empty but yeah they're empty <laughs> um but oh. yeah I, I agree with you i just think that you know 
even more so nowadays people are making the comparisons which is why i think they would do that oh no i think it's a great prediction like i i could definitely i could definitely see them doing it but i don't think i don't think it's a safe prediction but i could definitely see them doing it yeah all right lush back to you all right so number two originally when i was thinking about my predictions originally i wanted um i'm hoping that we see uh the Batman game, the rumored Batman game from Ooh. Warner Bros. However, that's no longer my prediction. I've changed it to something else that's DC related, and I don't think we'll get Batman and this other thing. Um, I An think Aquaman the reason game. the reason why I don't think we're gonna get Batman is because I could see it like gameplay wise being too similar to like um, what something like Watch Dogs or Assassin's Creed. Like I don't think they want too many open world ish like third person games. Which is why I think there is a slot open for a fighting game. I think Injustice Three is announced oh. at the conference. I think I think Injustice Two was twenty seventeen. I think it's so like I think it's time. I think it's time for a new Injustice. I'm down. So I'm going Injustice Three for my second prediction. Okay, no, I like that's bold. I, I like that one. I definitely like that one. Um, Not as good as an Aquaman open world game or open sea now, game, but. But I'll take it. I'll take Injustice I'm, I'm, Three. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a little bit to my to my theory. I think um, if if you go by NetherRealm, NetherRealm has like a pattern, right? Like between Mortal Kombat and Injustice, it's usually released in the spring each year. So I think because of that, I think it's just a cinematic trailer. I don't think there's a gameplay or anything. I just think purely it's a cinematic trailer and a reveal. Injustice Three, it's coming, um, and yeah, that's that. I don't think any release date, nothing. Just it's it, it's coming. Who's going to be the main villain? Brainiac was last time. Oh gosh! And Superman was the time before. What even happened at the end of Injustice Two? I can't even remember. There's, only, remember. there's only really there's only really one person. I feel like it should Dark be Dark Side. Yeah, Anti Monitor. Uh, dang it! Either or. I mean, what, I'd probably say Dark Side. Wasn't um? Didn't Injustice but Two end like bad. with um? Like you could there was multiple endings to that, wasn't there? Like you could pick between Batman or Superman. Yeah, yeah. I can't even um, remember what happened. Um, I mean, Superman basically enslaved the world. Batman put him right back in his cell. Yeah, that's right. So that's I wonder, literally like that's it. <laughs> I wonder um, what it'll be. Canon. Oh no! I I just figured out what it's going to be. What? What just recently happened with the DC universe and comics? What characters were introduced into the DC universe to become canon? Oh, uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Dr. That would Manhattan. be sick. Doctor Manhattan be will be the main villain. How awesome would that be? That would be really cool. Or even if just I, yeah, just bring him into the game. Like that'd be sick. All the Watchmen, bring him. Yeah, in. Oh, Rorschach would be so cool to fight as too. His that'd fighting be, that'd style. That'd be really sick, actually. I would honestly love to fight as a uh, Night Owl. Like, his, oh, that'd be cool his, too. Yeah, his fighting style is really cool. I mean, I feel like they would like Doc. I feel like Doctor Manhattan would just have to be just a character like i don't think you could ever play as him because yeah, he'd be op because <laughs> it would be like superman versus dr manhattan and he'd be like yeah no and snap his fingers <laughs> changes matter yeah yeah um i know i feel like they could definitely introduce watchmen into the series and then but i i would probably say i don't want them to play it too safe with like dark side so i feel like i mean your suggestion of anti uh, anti-monitor uh would be really cool to see um, especially with the whole um, 
Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline that we got on the WB shows. Mm, yeah, because then they can pull, you know, the extra skins that you can pay extra for or have to do special events for. They can pull from the TV show and then different arcs in the comics. Although I do think Dark Side War would be a really cool arc to pull from. Because then you'd get the Dark Side versus Anti Monitor story, and then you'd get all of the Justice League gods, like the God of Strength Superman, the God of the God of Death Flash, the God of Knowledge Batman, and all of those. You know. Yeah, you know who I would like to see introduced a little bit more into like some of these games, especially with the Infinite Earth crossover, is uh, Spectre. Oh you know? yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. I'd like Hal Jordan Spectre, Spectre really as cool. well. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. Wow, this turned into a really bold prediction. <laughs> Very bold. But we added right. into it, kind of. Yeah. Bradley, what's your prediction? Your second All prediction. All right, so I predict that they're going to announce uh, Call of Duty. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they, uh, well, actually, they. I feel like they already did, actually. Didn't they already release something about Call of Duty? I, I think it's supposed um, to be Black Ops 5? 36. Or 6, yeah, or whatever it is. Call of Duty 1500. Uh, no, um, so... Uh, this this one's probably really safe, um, but obviously it is Microsoft, and it's one of their longest-running series of games, and a lot of people didn't like how it originally started to change, but I feel like I, 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 know, I know the most recent one got pretty good reviews, and I feel like they're going to announce something with Gears of War. Oh, you know, yeah. I know a lot of people didn't like the jump forward in time with uh, JD, and but then the second one that came out recently, a lot of people enjoyed its story and the way it was going, and I've heard some pretty good reviews on it. So I wonder if, I mean, it's like I said, it's one of their, besides Halo, right, that it's one of their longer running series of games, and it's still kind of one of their more popular series of games. So I think, I think we'll get something about Gears of War. Do you think it's like a new game? Um, like... I think it'll be, I think it'll be a follow-up to the series. Okay. Still, I think they're going to continue kind of going um, with what they have right now. Okay. Cool. I know that was cool, kind like of it. safe. <laughs> All right. For well, me, Josh. Um, this is kind of a bold prediction. Um, I don't think this will happen, but I'd sure like it to. Um, if you remember quite a while ago um, with Xbox and stuff, they tried to introduce a... Um, kind of like microsoft store on pc where you can buy video games through the microsoft store and it never really took off because people just kind of stuck with steam and you play an epic store and all that type of stuff but my prediction this very bold prediction that's probably not going to happen is i think that they're going to have some form of shared game library between your microsoft account so that way you can pick up not just the games you own on once on your xbox and your pc not just share the games, but share like save files and stuff across your PC and Xbox. That'd be dope, actually. I like that idea. And that would get people to start buying games from the Microsoft Store again. Yeah. This is part one of my prediction. Part two is my third prediction. And it's the, if not that, then this type prediction. So I'll leave it at oh, that. okay. And if that's not going to happen, then my other option, just equally as crazy, probably crazier, is what I'll go over when we come back to me again. Okay. Okay. All right, so this is it, third prediction. So, all right, here's what's going to happen. I think this is going to be the last game we see, all right? We're, we won't see a logo or, like, a developer name. We're just going to start with gameplay, all right? And we're going to be like, what? Like, literally the entire time, I think it's going to be, like, a 10-minute demo. We're going to be like, what the is this game, right? Like, what is this? Then we see a developer name. We see Bethesda. 
All right. Oh. And then logo, I think it's Starfield. Yep. I, I'm with you. Hundred percent. I think I think I think Starfield ends the show. That's my okay, prediction. Okay. I'd be pleased with that. I don't know if it's going to be the ender. I don't know if it's going to be exactly how you said it, but I do think Starfield yeah. will be there. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> definitely could be shown. I don't know where it would be, but I could definitely see it like coming up and being a thing that's talked about, um, or at least even just like a logo for it. Right? Like yeah. they might just have a logo. Now, one other thing I think they can do that would be different than that is they come up, they say, hey, we're Bethesda, we're going to talk to you about Starfield. Here's the footage. They show Starfield, they talk about it, and they say, all right, well, that's all we have for you guys today. We'll just leave you with this. They walk off stage as the Elder Scrolls Six trailer starts playing. Well, that that's the thing I want to touch on, because like, I think Bethesda has been quiet. for t- like I think either Starfield or Elder Scrolls, whichever comes first, I think those two games are a lot closer than we think they are. I hope like, so. Like, I would not be surprised if, like, maybe not this year, but, like, I could totally see one of those coming out next year. I hope so. <laughs> well, they, At I least. mean, they were, like, Bethesda released something about Elder Scrolls Six last year, right? Like, it didn't actually definitively say anything, but they mm-hmm. showed, like, they showed almost the buildup of a new world engine. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was part of, like, their show and it was when they talked about fallout um it was when they talked about the new fallout 76 expansions and stuff like that and they talked about mm, Fallout yeah. 76 in general and um how it was going and the new plans for that and they even talked about Elder scrolls online but i think they showed like the development of worlds in their new world engine and the reason people weren't sure what it was was because it cut to so many different locations right like it showed um uh it showed aradon and it showed uh the the like shimmering aisles and it showed all of these different places we've seen in elder scrolls games before but it was a new world engine that they were showing off mm, so yeah. I, I feel like the reason they specifically chose that was because they're like hey you know what might look you, you know what else looks just like this and then it's elder scrolls 6 i um, almost feel bad for the people that are developing sky oblivion the remake of yeah, oblivion right. in the skyrim in world the skyrim engine and now they're going to release this yeah. new one Oh, oh, like, we've got to start over. What what if what if uh they didn't show Elder Scrolls 6 or Starfield? They just said, "Hey, Skyrim's coming on day one to <laughs> Xbox Series X." So I'm going to edit my prediction. <laughs> yeah, I'm, cha- I'm, I'm gonna, changing mine. <laughs> that's going to happen. Gonna, You're so I'm gonna, right. I, I'm going to edit my prediction. It's actually just going to be like Kit Harrington's going to walk out and he's going to say Skyrim's coming. In Jon Snow form, like that'd be that'd be or, sick. He's gonna say Elder Scrolls Online is coming, or Elder Scrolls Six is coming, and you're gonna be like, oh, "What?" No, the announcement's gonna be there is no Elder Scrolls Six. It's Skyrim Two. Skyrim, Skyrim Two. 2. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Honestly, I could told I could totally see them like teasing us with like a oh yes. you know like it, it, we're just bringing uh skyrim the xbox series x but that it's not skyrim and it's elder scrolls 6 oh yeah <laughs> like that'd be sick oh and you know this one game like skyrim is coming to a series X, and then like you uh, okay here's another trailer for skyrim and then it's like then like oh that'd be sick that'd be a cool that would tease. be that would be pretty funny all right so um moving on from that bradley <laughs> what's your third and final prediction all right, so this another. This actually is another Bethesda prediction, um, right? Um, and it's because I f- would love for them to do it because I feel like they they would do a great job with it. And this is the one that there is no evidence towards at all. I'm telling you now, 
and it's um they're going to Bethesda's obviously going to have their moments, right? Like, because I feel like they're going to do it similar to like E3, where they're going to have developers from different, like people from different development teams and developers come up and do announcements. Bethesda's going to announce their open world MMO RPG of Game of Thrones. That would be so <laughs> sick. That's cool. That's a bold prediction, that would but that's be cool. Awesome. If you, I mean, if they you do... get that right, you just win. They do an excellent job when it comes to MMOs, RPGs that are in the fantasy world of knights and dragons and, and like magic. And it would just, I feel like them as a developer, Zenimax Studios, Bethesda would be excellent with like, like (laughs) would be excellent with Game of Thrones, right? And they don't even have to call it Game of Thrones. They could call it like a song of fire and ice, you know, because it's based on the entire series. But yeah, I would love to see that that. everything. Awesome. All of my stuff is Bethesda related, except for Gears. So if Bethesda just shows up, then you might get at least something, right? Yeah, <laughs> I would love Bethesda to be there. I mean, they they need to announce something like big besides just I think they will. Fallout. <laughs> Fallout right. Five. Are y'all ready for my bold, crazy, absolutely not correct prediction? But that would be Go awesome. For it. So just a moment ago. I said, what if there was a shared library between the Microsoft Store and your Microsoft games on PC and on Xbox Series X? Because they're making all these comparisons to gaming PCs from the Xbox Series X, both commenters um, or commentators and also players. And then also even Microsoft themselves is making comparisons. So what if they don't do a shared game library? What if instead... They don't have the Microsoft Store anymore on Xbox Series X. Instead, it's a full-fledged operating system, and it allows you to have things like Steam, Uplay, and the Epic Store. That would... You know, I don't see that happening, to be honest with you, but it's bold. Yeah, I mean, but, it's a very, it's a very bold yeah. prediction. I mean, I could, like, there, there's definitely, like, if any consoles it. to do it, it's the Xbox. That is yeah, true. If, and, if any of them were to do it, yeah, that's true. And I think it's partially because of the relationship they have with a lot of those companies that they could definitely yeah. do it. But I, I, I worry that they would be too concerned about the loss of revenue yeah. with the Microsoft Store. Right? Because if they have stuff that isn't made by those companies, right? Like if they have things that aren't made by some of those certain companies that have their own, like, like, uh, engines and launchers and stuff. Or like their own stuff. Yeah, you know, like, uh, like obviously, like I, I brought up gears, and that's that's something that I think that's done by Epic, um, or Epic helps with it. Um, and then, I mean, Ubisoft has a lot of stuff like Assassin's Creed and things like that, so definitely good. But there are all those indie games that might not be on Steam, that might not have partnerships with Steam, and might not publish to Steam for some certain reasons. So, it, but what it, if they it, have it, in addition to it, like? Because oh, they definitely could. You might say, "Oh, PlayStation Five, you guys have backwards compatibility to PlayStation One and PlayStation 2? Well, guess what? We have all backwards compatibility because we're no longer running an Xbox operating system. We're running a version of a Windows operating system. That I could see. Yeah, I I definitely could see that. I just I don't know if they would do away with the Microsoft Store completely to Mm -hmm. take on other companies like game stores and development stores. Like, and I could see it being like an addition to an addition to the Microsoft store, but I don't think the Microsoft store will just go. 
away. You know what? You know what they should do. What they should announce. Like obviously they 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 hopefully will announce the Series X like and show it. They but every Xbox Series X should come with a controller and a mouse and keyboard. Oh yeah, or at least let you choose at checkout because they're probably most of it's going to be online purchases, especially now. Oh yeah, for sure. Like they should have that like right off the bat, right? Be like, hey, mouse and keyboard or controller. Absolutely. And it's like, uh, mouse keyboard. <laughs> are, are you are you guys ready for the boldest prediction ever? <laughs> What's this one? The Crow game. They the Crow they game. announce uh, the Crow game. That's one of mine. But then also they announce at the or, no, they don't even announce it. They just kind of brush over it. Xbox Series X is not coming out this year. It's been delayed. Oh, that that's actually possible. They, they, they just totally, and they would just they just brush, brush over, it. over it. They don't acknowledge it at all. They just like it's just somehow like revealed. <laughs> that it's, they just, it doesn't it's not hitting holiday that's actually anymore. how they end the entire thing is it's just like this trailer like this this kind of commercial almost for the xbox series x and then it says coming 2022 <laughs> right, I, was, I was gonna okay, say yeah. like like maybe there's like a date and it just says like i i don't think it would be that long of a delay i just think like maybe like march something like the switch launch, launched in march well if they put like, 2021 they could release it at any day in 2021 yeah I think I what think if they'll they be put specific like, with it. This, no, this is on May seventh, no right? This is May seventh. Yeah. What if they put like coming May eighth? Everybody freaks out. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Oh man. Could you imagine? People would be so mad. Or what if it was like what if it was like releasing soon? Question mark. <laughs> Just like oh, what? Man. No. <laughs> or do is guys, it? Do, do you guys think we actually get a release date during this or no? I would hope so. If they if they are going to release it in the fall, I would hope they announce what day they're releasing it. Because like I I like I'm guessing the reason why Valhalla didn't release its date was because like I was about to say that the the game consoles don't have their dates yet. So once we get the release date for the Xbox Series X, we'll know the release date of Everyone's Valhalla gonna, because it'll yeah. be the same that's, day. I feel like I feel like that's why Valhalla didn't do it, right? Because yeah. I feel like Microsoft knows. But if Valhalla is going to be a launch title, right. they don't want to put the date because then people can be like, people can oh, be speculating. That's, that, yeah. that's when it's going to come out. That's when the Xbox Series X is going to come out. That's when PS5 is going to come out, right? Like mm-hmm. they can make that speculation if it's going to be a launch title game. And I feel like that's probably why. They, like, obviously, Assassin's Creed normally knows when their game is going to come out. So I feel like that's why they're holding off. Oh, one other prediction, but Valhalla related. I think that Valhalla is going to release on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC at the same time. And then anywhere between one week and one month later, it'll release on PS4 and Xbox One. Actually, wait, you you said after? Yeah, I think it's going to come to the um, last-gen consoles anywhere between one week and one month after the next-gen consoles to encourage people to buy the next-gen consoles. So actually, um, just... Touching up on that, with Black Flag, because that also was kind of cross-gen, it was actually the opposite. So Black Flag actually released uh, about a month uh, earlier on PS3 and 360, uh, mainly because the PS4 and Xbox One wasn't, they weren't launched yet. Um, so they released those games earlier, and then they were available at launch for those consoles. So that's what I assume Valhalla will do. But again, who, I mean, who knows? My well, if they're waiting time. to release the date. What was that? The- if they're waiting to release the date, I think they might yeah. be wanting to bring it to next gen first. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, they might want to just bring it to next gen altogether. Mm-hmm. 
Like, mm-hmm. like I know there's a lot of companies that have been talking about that, right? Because it becomes very restrictive. Uh-huh. Like, uh, like that was one of, um, that was one of like Destiny 2's biggest things, right? Bungie was like, oh, we're gonna allow it to be compatible for a short amount of time with, or not, not Destiny 2, Destiny 1 was that they were gonna allow it to be compatible for, for some time with the previous consoles, right? So they had to restrict it to how powerful the previous generation of consoles was. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where they were like, oh man, we can't really make it stronger at this point because the game's already been sent out and all that stuff. And so I feel like I feel like a lot of companies are making games with the intent of the new generation and then will release a much lower version of it mm-hmm. to be played on current generation, right? Like they because they obviously have to cut down some of the stuff that they do and well, something, to make it run. Just something to keep in mind though that like Ubisoft, I would assume, they don't really care how much, how well the PS5 and all that sells, right? They care how much Valhalla sells, right? So I I would assume that they, like, for them, it would be just like, hey, make sure this sells well. It doesn't matter what system it's on, you know? But Yeah, but the big thing about that, right, is like, every single one of the Xbox Series X, every single one of the PlayStation 5s, no matter what the price tag is, they're going to sell out the first day Uh you know and if it's a launch title and like if it's a launch title that'll probably be the game a lot of people buy right off the bat if it's not like a package with like a higher price rate because of coming with the game it'll be probably the first game people buy for the new console will be assassin's creed Valhalla. even if it sells out though that's still like just a very small percentage of people that already own playstation 4s you know so like, there are still way more copies to be sold on the current gen than there are the next gen. Yeah, but I don't know if that's ever really stopped people from, like, delaying a release for current generations, you know? Yeah. Like, because like, honestly, they could just do that, right? They could be like, oh, well, coming next month in December, this game comes out for current generations and a new batch is going to come out for new generations, right? Like, because then those will so- sell out at Christmas. You well, know? Like, but that is what happened with last gen, though. Like, Black Flag and Call of Duty and Battlefield, they all released the current gen games, like, like some even, like, a month before the new gen came out. And then on launch, they were like, hey, it's available to get, you know? But think about how much, like, streaming and stuff has changed advertising now. Yeah. Because now, all the time, you know, people look at games for the first time watching someone else play it. So imagine this, you own a PS4 and you watch gameplay of someone playing the new game on PS5 and you know you're going to be able to buy it for your PS4 in a month and it looks good because it's being played on a PS5. You're going to buy it when it comes for PS4 because it looks so good even if it's not going to look as good for you. Which leads me to this other prediction I think is going to be interesting. I think all the cross... They say that the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are probably going to have things like ray tracing and all these extra features. I think when it comes to cross-platform and cross-generation games, those features are going to be in the options of both versions. So you might be playing on your Xbox One and see in your options a switch for ray tracing, and you go to turn it on and it says, oh, you can't do this. You need an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5 to do this, or a ray tracing graphics card and a PC. And that way you think, oh, man, I wish I had a new console. And then you go and buy one. And and I kind of agree with that as well, and in a, like in a different aspect. If they release it for the like upcoming generations first and don't immediately release it for the 
current generation, it gives people time to figure out if they're going to be how soon they'll be getting the new consoles. Yeah. You know, like like because if like if it's somebody who it's going to take them maybe a month or two months to get. Maybe they're not worried about buying the current gener- the, the current generation version of the game because it's like, oh, well, then I'll have to buy the game again when I get the new console. So, it, it, like, in the, if in December you realize, oh, I can't get the new console quite yet, I'm going to have to wait a couple more months, but I really want this game and they're releasing it for PS4, I'm going to buy it now, play it, and then if I really want to keep playing it, I'll buy it again. So I think, I think it could definitely give them time to figure out if they want it. Because if you... Because, I mean, how many people are going to buy Valhalla the second it comes out if it comes out for new consoles first and then or current consoles first? And then how many of those people are going to immediately go buy the new consoles and go, crap, I have to buy the game again. Right. Like and I mean, that would help that would help Ubisoft's sales for sure. But like, I don't know, that's that's kind of something that I I would be kind of confused about. Well, I guess. That's it. Um, I guess some things we didn't mention um, that we could also possibly see at the event are uh, Watch Dogs Legion. Um, we're getting a next Battlefield next year. Maybe we'll see that. Obviously, Call of Duty. Um, so, yeah, plenty of things that we haven't talked about. I'm sure there's going to be some surprises that we haven't even thought of that will be there. So it'll be exciting. Check it out May 7th. It'll be in the morning, uh, 11 a.m. our time. Uh, so make sure to go check that out. Does anyone else have anything to say about... You said this May seventh, Dragon Ball, eleven a.m. or anything? Yeah, I will be in the I... middle of teaching fourth period computers, which I will then <laughs> at eleven thirty make, make them watch. start teaching <laughs> web design, and then at twelve fifteen start teaching band, and then have lessons until like three o'clock. <laughs> so this is going to be tough. I'm going to have to have it out on my phone next to my computer while teaching. <laughs> <laughs> so I have something uh, not. Dragon Ball related or Assassin's Creed or Microsoft related um, that obviously people might not get to know this, but it is May 2nd when we're recording this episode and 12 years ago today, the Marvel Cinematic Universe launched its first film with Iron Man 1. May 2nd, 2008 began the story of what's probably a lot of the people who listen to this is favorite series of movies in a very long time. Heck yeah. Um, but yeah, so 12 years ago today, Iron Man 1 was released in theaters. Cool. And also, um, I, I'm editing this episode, right? Yes. So if there's any issues, sorry, my fault, because I'm the one editing it. But um, today's Saturday. I'll probably be editing on Sunday. So it'll probably come out Sunday night, Monday morning, which is May 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So that's two yeah, things May to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully the fourth, or the, uh, hopefully the force can take all the stuff away yeah all the virus stuff <laughs> hopefully it can um, fix everything rise of skywalker is being added to disney plus on that day and the clone wars is ending on that day as well so a lot of star wars content um for those that have disney plus if you're interested on may the 4th cool all right well i think we can finally close out um you can reach out to you you can reach out to you wow you can reach out to us i guess you can reach out to you too but uh hopefully you're gonna reach out to us on twitter I'm at Joshua Comics. I'm at Less Is More. And I'm at Loremaster Bread. You can also check out our Facebook. Just look for The Comic and Culture Cast. You can also find our videos, mostly supplementary content, a lot of video gaming stuff, as well as some other um, reviews and such on YouTube and BitChute. Just again, search for The Comic and Culture Cast. 
Also, we'd really appreciate it if you enjoy what you're hearing, or even if you don't and you just want to let us know um, on Apple Podcasts, if you can leave us a review. That would be awesome, and it'd really help us because when you give us ratings, good, bad, or ugly, it helps us to be seen more by others, and I'm sure that you want others to listen to what you're hearing as well, whether you like it or not, so please reach (laughs) out to us there. Definitely. All right, so I guess we're ending this. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Why must the podcast end so short? Because we are the podcast the world deserves. But not the one it needs right now. Because the listeners can take it. Because we are not heroes. We are witty guardians of comic and culture. We are watchful sleuths of pop culture news. We are the the comic comic and culture culture cast. cast. Yeah.